Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 89, featuring two films, which are movie adaptations of John Irving's books. The first one is The World According to Garp from 1982, uh, directed by George Roy Hill. The second one is Hotel New Hampshire uh, from 1984, directed by Tony Richardson's. We both love these films because John Irving's books and stories are strange and interesting and weird and eccentric. Um, but we liked one more than the other. I think you can figure out which one it is. But it was very interesting to talk about how different adaptations are taken into place and how they're done. So really interesting. I love this podcast. Very excited about it. And it was really great to be able to talk about it with Dan and Eric and all of our great fans uh, that we did uh, while we were uh, talking to them on Twitch. Yes, as you guys may know, we actually uh, record our podcasts on Twitch these days. Uh, It's actually kind of the best place to uh, watch and be part of the podcast recording. Uh, It is uh, you can check us out at twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. We record every Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is GMT minus 8. And if you'd like to be part of that, we would love to have you on and and chat with us uh, while we're doing the podcast. Uh, In fact, uh, when we're not doing podcasts, uh, we do a watch party, which does not actually end up on the podcast because, you know, we're doing a watch party. Uh, And this Saturday, which will be April 2nd, we will be doing Blue Thunder, which we've mentioned a couple of times on a podcast and figured, well, it's about time we did it as a watch party because it is definitely watch party material. As you guys may know, the way that watch parties work is that they have to be, one, available on Prime because that's how the watch party on Twitch works. It's going to be a Prime movie. Uh, and uh, usually we try to pick movies that are either not that great or movies that we've seen so many times that we can just talk over it because it doesn't matter if we're talking over it. Uh, so that's usually the, the the thing that happens. But we have been talking about Blue Thunder as a movie for so long that we figured might as well do a watch party out of it. Anyway, April 2nd, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is GMT minus eight. We would love to have you there for our watch party. Again, that is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And just a reminder that if you'd like to support the podcast, the Twitch is a great place to do it because if you, by subscribing to us, if you have an Amazon Prime account uh, and you hit the subscribe button for us, you have one a month that you're allowed to do. It actually helps pay for the podcast itself. So we would love to be have you guys part of it. So please do that. Uh, it'd be great to be uh, have you guys there. Additionally, if you are a subscriber for us on Twitch, uh, we do have a Discord. So check it out. Look up Martini Giant on Discord, and we would love to be have you guys part of the Martini Giant uh, Discord. And uh, when you are on that and you are a subscriber, you are have access to our, spe- uh, our special subscribers-only lounge and subscribers-only movie suggestions and watch party suggestions. Uh, and that is a lot of fun to have you guys there. So... Please join our Discord. Uh, Discord is actually fairly active. Uh, we do a lot of talking about. Lately, we've been into a website called Framed.WTF, which is uh, uh, kind of like Wordle for movies. Anyway, really interesting. But we are getting, I am going down a sidetrack that is going way too long. So for now, please enjoy episode number, number 89, The World According to Garp and Hotel New Hampshire. 
Enjoy. I'm having a cookie and a Heineken Zero Zero. Heineken Zero Zero. It's my new favorite fake beer right here. It's pretty great. We are not sponsored by Heineken. I just... Uh, I love bad beers. Yeah, I, it's just... It's interesting. I mean, would... Would a show called Martini Giant want to be sponsored by Heineken? Heineken I think it's like... I Yeah, I mean... Uh, Martini, obviously, the the source of the show was my my the presence of my, the tiny mar- martini in my giant hand, uh, as noticed by a passerby. That's the story that uh, is up on the website. Um, uh, and uh, I'm glad that we have kept with that uh, theme, even if I have not kept with the um, huge amount of alcohol in my life theme. <laughs> 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 so the uh, this is uh, I gotta send uh, shouts out to. Um, uh, uh, McMuggy Man, who uh, uh, turned me on to a selection of non-alcoholic beers uh, that are actually beer-like and uh, quite flavorful. There's one at Trader Joe's called Klaus something. I forgot what it's called. Klausheimer or something. I have not had Klausheimer. But uh, yeah, like I, for instance, it's like pretty I, good. I, I like. I don't like Heineken very much, but I like Heineken Double uh, Zero Zero because right. it's slightly better than actual Heineken. There you go. Klaus Hauer. Klaus, Klaus Hauer. Hauer. Yeah. Klaus, yeah, it's Klaus okay. Hauer. It's not bad though. The, it's uh, better than what, what's the what's the Odul's is terrible. Oh Odul's is awful. That's just awful. That's like that's sub Budweiser level material. Yeah. Um but I really liked and this is also my monkey man. He uh he uh should be uh what's called uh Athletic Brewing Company. He's really, really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I've heard about that. Here, I want to basically show off uh, this coffee mug. It's martini giant coffee mug. That I am drinking out of really that's good. a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. It's a really good one. So. That's nice. That's a nice look. That design. Mm-hmm. Who did that design? It's amazing. Uh, I don't know, but I that, apparently he's that guy should be paid a lot of money. Him to do double. That. That's all I can oh, do. yeah. I'm sure he is. He's rolling in it. Yeah. You know what double of zero is. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. That's terrible. Mm. Uh, uh, but. Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Mike has the Scruggs mug, which is great. Yeah, no, it's good. I have heard of Athletic Brewing Company as an advertising on another podcast uh, for fly fishing. They were being sponsored by Athletic Brewing Company. Yeah, they're very good. They're very good. They have, um, I, uh, I, have uh, I haven't tried their pails, but I've tried their IPAs, and their IPAs are indistinguishable from very good alcohol based IPAs. Not like IPAs. I'm trying not there. Um, but where are they? So, be, where 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 can you find such purchasable athletic? I ordered them on on the computer. I ordered right. them on the computers because they're so low alcohol. You can actually just get them shipped without a whole bunch of fuss. It sounds like I'm doing an ad. I'm not. I just like these guys. No, I'm wondering if well, I can get them at like Ralph's or Albertsons or whatever. I believe, I, I first had it up in Seattle, uh, so I think it's all over okay. the West Coast. Yeah, there are like most the grocery stores these days. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, that's pretty good. They still shove it. I I find that all this stuff is still put I, in the shame I, corner I, of the of the grocery store. Like, oh god, yeah. <laughs> hide it over really? here. Yeah, absolutely. Like, here's oh, all our glorious booze, and then over in the dark little corners, the the Odul's shame wall. And mm-hmm. uh, that's very funny stuff, but it's actually good. It's actually very, very good. Yeah, but I think that what's next nice next to the I, baby nipples. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, right. And I, like, what's nice is that because I was drinking beer for so long, well, drinking everything for so long, like I get the same sort of cozy, relaxing feeling, just 
by having this as I did. Like my my mind remembers and it releases the the drugs anyway. It's like, oh good. You're doing it again. And then it, all the endorphins pour into my system. Mm -hmm. well, nice. You guys are talking about I pretty much only shop at Trader Joe's, so I don't know what's in regular yeah. grocery stores. Well, let's let's promote uh, Trader Joe's uh, excellent actual booze. The uh, the what twelve dollar whiskey? What's it called now? Oh oh the 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 Trader Joe's blended Scotch, which is available for a one liter for nine ninety nine. That is the <laughs> best deal in town. It that is, is good it's, stuff. It's good That's stuff. It's, it's, I think it's, 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 it's a it's a better than Doers. <laughs> yeah, it's better, way better than Doers. Way yeah. way way better than Doers. Yeah, like that, that that stuff knocked me out, dude. I was just like, that is it's really good. Yeah, like because I I, uh, I still have a drink now and again. I just save it up for uh, oh, specialty, specialty occasions, and uh, and only really have uh, like a drink. But uh, if I'm going to save it up, I'm if I had the choice between saving it up for expensive whiskey or Trader Joe's ten bucks, it I might favor the ten dollar whiskey. It's true. Yeah, I've I've had I've had some high end whiskeys that aren't as satisfying i'm not as satisfied there's a price point issue i have with this stuff it's just sort of like i mean this is also true with wine right it's just sort of like i've never had a good 40 dollar bottle of wine like i've had a good seven dollar bottle of wine and i've had a good 190 dollar bottle of wine but a 40 dollar bottle of wine i'm just like I'm just throwing money out the window right. <laughs> like this is not that much better than the crap wine in the box right <laughs> yeah that's a good point actually and i kind of agree with you on that I kind of agree with you. It's uh, to really get that taste peak, you got to go above seventy-five. Absolutely true. That's just the way it is. That's when it becomes like a worthwhile expenditure. So yeah, I feel the same way about steaks. Like steaks are like you know up to up to fifteen bucks. That's a good steak. When you're paying thirty-five bucks for a steak, and it's as good as an, a, a fifteen-dollar steak, that's a mistake. Yeah. A, a mistake. mistake. <laughs> we tell jokes here on the show. I don't know if anybody noticed. Nice. <laughs> they slip right by. And let's see. Uh, Flynn Plinth writes, Howdy, guys. I just got back from a screening of The Godfather, our local multiplex. Was so good to see it on the big screen for the first time. I am I am uh, murderously jealous of you right now. I'm just going to tell you uh, outwardly and honestly. I have not. I have been to the theater to see one film in the past two years. Then the movie is Dune. Dune. Yep. <laughs> I, I saw the first film in three years, and it was... Marry me. My sister dragged my daughter and I and her kids yeah, to see it. No, it was horrible. But yeah, it was, you know, I was just being polite. And it was like, oh, that was great. Have you but, seen this movie, yeah. The Godfather, he's talking about? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Is that the, is that the yeah. one with... Uh, the, yes, Channing Tatum. And he's, about, he's got the yeah. suit that gives him kind of superpowers. So it's like a magic mic. I know what you're yeah, talking it's about. Like magic, like, it's, yeah. magic, it's magic mic. It's just they didn't want to, you know, like people, people stay out. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just prefer the um, why is he bringing it back? Uh, I don't. I, I know this is. He's not going to mess with that too. He's done multiple cuts of his other work, which I'm not against. So wait, 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 wait. wait. So is the Godfather in re being re-released right now, or is this a special screening? That's a good question. I don't know. So Flan Plinth, we leave it in your hands. Flan Plinth, tell us <laughs> the truth. What happened? But yeah, like I, I am a zero uh, percent fan of the re-edits of Apocalypse Now, which is one of the greatest movies ever made, and it's a drag to me that if you want to see a really great print of Apocalypse Now, you have to watch Redux or the Final Cut, both of which are bad movies, uh, and the actual original, really? yeah, and uh, and the actual original Apocalypse Now, it looks like it's been, uh, you know, filmed off a Zoom screen, 
<laughs> when you rent it. I'm just like, just put out the good print of the good movie. Like, keep the other ones. It's fine. People prefer those. That's all right. They're interesting. Why is he doing that? I don't understand why he. I don't. Right, I don't. I think. I mean, he's a like. George Lucas did the same thing, but I don't really think that they did it for the same reasons. But Lucas did that kind of stuff because he re um, it re ups the ownership on the license uh, when you make it yeah, an, a, an altered thing. Uh, so that's why he fucked around with stuff. Coppola is uh, is a real tinkerer anyway. Like he just makes weird shit when he makes it. So he noodles around. Like the one movie that has really benefited from it, that is his re edit of uh, Cotton Club, which is great. And has a lot more Gregory Hines, which is exactly. Oh what wow! I gotta see that. That's terrific. That's, I saw a, that's it a legit good go. movie. Yeah, like I'd put that up next to Tucker now. I, mean, I really love Tucker. I love Tucker. Yeah, Tucker's really good. Um, so film. it was a just a special, I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mike, how you doing, man? <laughs> Plan gamer name, excellent. Good to see you. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Like I think, like I, I think that he is actually creative, still a creatively interested person. As opposed to Lucas, who really, really doesn't care at all anymore. No, no, no. He's cashed out. He's cashed out. He's cashed out. He's still. I think he's a little pissed off that he cashed out. But hey, man, you make four four bill. (laughs) You think he's pissed that he cashed out? Yeah, I think he's like he's pissed that Disney's turned his baby into shit. Yes, into a sort of a very mild, uninteresting creative event. But he um, sold it. But he sold it. <laughs> this is why you don't sell things you love, George. God bless you in many, many ways. I have nothing against George Lucas, but don't fucking yeah. sell. If you love it that much, don't sell. It. I used to have a lot of respect for Kathleen Kennedy. Unfortunately, that is very hard to maintain. That right? <sighs> I, I, have you ever? I I don't know anyone who even knows her. Uh, I'm well, must she, have some people that work with her. I've I've I've, I've seen interviews with her she was on the nerdist for uh, an episode and she sounded really interesting but anyway i mean she's a terrific let's movie. not get back into star wars again can we yeah no there's nothing there's nothing <laughs> we've, said. We've, we've said we've, we've that that horse is so beaten <laughs> yeah like like it's it's just sort of like we're just doing it out of let me ask you a question, uh, Dan. When you first saw Star Wars, did you think, oh my God, I'm going to be talking about this until I'm 62? When I first <laughs> saw when I first saw Star Wars, I was six. And so I wanted to be Luke Skywalker, literally. Mm-hmm. When I grew up a little bit more than that, then I wanted to, wanted to be Han Solo. Han Solo. <laughs> I wanted to be Chewbacca. Amen, man. No doubt. <laughs> I want to be Max Rebo. Mm. you know you know what there was a there was an interesting character in star wars they should make like two tv shows of just that one character that showed up for a little bit oh i'm pretty sure we're thinking about the same guy right (laughs) (laughs) mr sarlacc pit (laughs) i would take two sarlacc pit shows i think it'd be pretty good and just every single episode is a new person falls into the pit and then they sort of hallucinate their own. They dream about their life and their backstory before they're consumed by acid and enzymes. Yeah, I think that's uh, that would be that would be a better show than than uh, the design they have now. No, no offense to John Favreau, who has actually saved Star Wars, I think. Um, but at what cost? <laughs> at what cost, John? Cryptkeeper seventy said he saw her in an elevator heading up to the wood-paneled craftsroom-style office, or while I head to the danks of the VFX dungeon. 
Right. Defect engine. That's true. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that Kennedy is a superb producer. Like she's definitely legendary. I think that Star Wars has become a virtually unmanageable brand. Uh, and that's why they had to bring in Favreau to stabilize it. And like you stabilize it through sort of like compelling mediocrity and it's working. Like uh, Favreau, and I don't mean that against Favreau. Favreau is very good in the movie and it's really entertaining. But you, you can't do anything interesting with it now where people get Wait a minute. It. They just bought it and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're out of control. I mean, no, how did it get it up? zero yeah. to crap? Because they, they bring him in. Because they didn't know, like, I don't think Disney was fully aware of how fractured the fan base was when they purchased it. Um, and the fans want what they want. And with Star Wars and Star Trek and things like this, that's a number of different opposing things. And so once you, you know, satisfy their demand for a new Star Wars, you're instantly going to start a war between sides of the fandom. And then you have to make an apology movie. And then you have to apologize for the apology movie. And then you have to make an apology show. And before you know it, you're just like, the only thing you can do is just churn out replicas of what you've already made. And that's where we're at. So that's why, you know, it's just like, when you say whipping a dead horse, it's just like, we may as well be complaining about Twinkie production at this point. Like, it doesn't make any difference. Star Wars is no. You know, Twinkies. They, why don't they make an original Twinkie? That's exactly. <laughs> like they've got to make a new Twinkie. That's like you know mm. the, the new a new fresh Twinkie. <laughs> Sarlacc's brother Brad, Brad Pitt has gone on to make the finger <laughs> things. Thank you. They're very nice. Very nice, Mike. <laughs> I would love that. that would uh, love the Sarlacc Pitt show. Sarlacc Pitt. <laughs> Uh, okay. Are they stopping quickly? Not to go too much into this. Are they stopping now production on all Disney, uh, all Star Wars stuff, or they're going to still produce more and more and more? They're going to. <laughs> they are going to invest heavily in TV until uh, it is indistinguishable from everything else they make. Like it's just going to turn into a, like a, a soft. You know what it's going to be like? It's going to be like when you started with what was the the when you started uh, Pandora or something, and you were listening to the Dead Kennedy. No, what were you listening to? Um, you're listening to some punk rock and it slowly turned into oh yeah I was listening to the first time I, I tried Spotify for real and I just let it play all like all day long I listened to I think yeah, it was, it was the algorithm. It, started, it started with Black Flag I asked Black Flag that's Black what it was playlist, and I just let it run and 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 finally it was literally playing James Taylor and I was just like <laughs> yes <laughs> that's what Star Wars is going to become it's going to become James Taylor yeah. <laughs> it's become James Taylor <laughs> it's become the James Taylor of science fiction it's true and the thing's made like I said like I think that like Favreau, Favreau is a really good filmmaker a very good uh um tv writer and i think he's done a wonderful job with what they've asked him to do i think he's the perfect guy to do what they're doing but they have no other choice that's kind of the drive oh. and so that's that's where it's at is there's there's no point really in anyone just like it's just a fucking thing that's on who cares you know it's the chat's pretty active today actually i'm impressed guys nice to see y'all right on all, yeah. all roads lead to JT. That's right. <laughs> all roads lead to JT. Okay, so let's let's get into Mike, what Mike. what is our show today, guys? What's our show today? Two very interesting movies. Yeah, um, this we is have, a great call, by the way. Uh, the World According to Garp and The Hotel New Hampshire, both based on books um, by uh, John Irving. John Irving uh, one of which I've read. I've read World According to Garp, and both uh, with uh, side characters played by Amanda Plummer from Pulp Fiction. Yes. There you go. As well as uh, she was the sister in a So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yes. Yes. She's terrific in that. Boy, oh boy. 
That's an unsung hero movie, man. I love that movie. It's a great movie. Amanda Plummer is amazing. Yeah. 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 So this is an interesting combination, and I have a lot of opinions, so I would definitely like to go last. I'll stop talking about it right now. And... What do you mean go last? <laughs> what do you mean go last? <laughs> yeah, I have like, I, like, I don't want to, just, I just don't want to like come out and, and steamroll with my, with my thoughts on this. I'm just, well, first of all, I mean, never steamroll. Me, let me, I have an opinion on that, Eric. Just shut up for a second. <laughs> like Putin in, in Ukraine. <laughs> I'm, I'm known as the Putin of film. <laughs> Putin on the Ritz. That's right. <laughs> it snow. Yes, that's true. That's true. But you chose this, Chris. Yes, this was your I chose, chose these, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I think it was because I don't know. It was good. Uh, I, I think I wanted to watch. I think I was thinking. Someone said, someone said something about Hotel California, the song. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking, wait, what's the movie? And it's, it's not Hotel California. And then it's like, no, it's Hotel New Hampshire. And I was like, oh, that film was fucking weird and awesome. And then it had strange things like open incest. Yeah, a positive <laughs> incest. A positive incest story, which was strange. Uh, and, then, and then also uh, uh, the, uh, and then I was saying, like, that, it's like that was you know John Irving's story, and then I thought about World According to Garp. I was like, well, that's a great combo, and mm -hmm. I've been thinking about Robin Williams a lot recently too. Yeah. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So, so that that I thought that would be a good combo, and then I thought I think I said to myself, well, I think Eric is, would like that one. He's not going to be upset about me choosing those two. So, I think why I did do you okay. think that? Because you know sometimes you and I. <laughs> Well, the, uh, the, it is. I will say, the, if I were to group you guys in on something with in the Venn diagram of you two in these movies, yeah. I would say that uh, they, they both have a very northeastern affluent. Society. Oh, they're very much so. Yeah, these are. This is a New England yes. uh, movie. <laughs> right. Well, you're New England too, my friend. You're about affluent. as New England I, as it comes. I'm very. I'm. I'm. I'm Cape Cod, and uh, I live in a very, very affluent town when I was young. Uh, but I was not part of the affluent crowd. I was part of the mm. who is that creepy bum child <laughs> group? Creepy yeah. bum child—that's horrible. No, I was. Uh, no, high school was wonderful. It was a great time, but uh, you know, it's all—it's all the same. But yeah, no, like I would, like the when you grow up on Cape Cod, like you're either part of the the extraordinarily rich or you're the people that actually work there. And, uh, yeah, you know. the, the person that hands uh, you your slice of pizza. Yeah, basically, I was one of those guys, and yeah. so I, I was not. I was not hanging with uh, John Irving. <laughs> no, I'm not hanging with the Irvings. But okay, so let's let's first of all these. The one thing that would classify these two things is that they're both strange stories. Yes, yes, right. Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is a you know part of the John Irving lore of yep. an interest. Have you read what, uh, Irving's books? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think not. the thing I think is interesting if you look at it as these two movies is that Hotel New Hampshire feels mythological and strange and like a fairy tale mm. in a lot yes. of ways, right? And so therefore all the weird stuff in there doesn't feel so weird. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And in I fact, understand. it is way more weird than 
world according to Garp, but world according to Garp feels very real, mm -hmm. very much more like real things. It's more so the weird yeah. things in there feel much weirder. Yeah, they, st they stand out. Like all of, for sure, like all of New Hampshire, uh, Hotel New Hampshire is one big bizarre compilation of strangeness. I, yeah, it is, but I still think it's one of Wes Anderson's best films. I was going to bring up Wes Anderson. It, it doesn't it feel like a Wes Anderson film? It's I know, totally, I, dude. It's I, okay, all, I, I'm looking at this like, holy moly. I just watched um, French Dispatch twice, as a matter of fact. I wanna, it, I'm going to rent that, but the, it's, uh, on, it's Royal right. Tannenbaum's. It's like, yeah, it really oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of sales out. Yeah. Uh, so. It's a very New Yorker feeling movie, right? And uh, yep. I mean, the French Dispatch is, is straight up like it's a it's a romantic left for the New Yorker. Um, and uh, it's the first I like I, I'm not as down on Wes Anderson as many other people are recently. Like I have not been a big fan of his last five movies or four movies. Yeah. Um, like they're fun. They're good. They, he's good. Good at it. But I'm just not getting anything new out of it anymore. So I'm just sort of like, oh, I'll catch up with this later. It's fine. Um, I did love Bottle Rocket. I did love Whoa. Rushmore. Uh, yep. And I'm one of the I'm one of the few lovers of um, uh, Life Aquatic, which I think is actually quite great. Um, yes. But uh, his new one, French Dispatch, is the first one I really loved in a long time. Like I really, really thought it was. Yeah, great. we and talked about this. We didn't really like Budapest Grand Budapest Hotel. I liked we it like, better the second time I saw it, but I still, yeah. you know, like people were over the moon on that one. I was like, it's it's good. It is good. It felt like a bunch of people that wanted to be in a Wes Anderson film and they had to find roles. It for yeah, it doesn't, yeah. It, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't tightly fit together. It's just sort of like a bunch of fun stuff that's nicely shot, but it doesn't really... For me, well, I mean, so I get people like... Well, this is, this is where I was going to go. So like French... I. French, French Dispatch is is Wes Anderson at the top of his game, super tight, really interesting, very funny, very clever, and has something to say. And um, to show my hand, I would say that uh actually here i'm what i just said i i i think that world according to garp is a very interesting slightly flawed movie it's uh, a great film. but it's genuinely it's a really genuine movie that i really really like and yeah. i like talking about uh, it has incredible performances and is very well put together like it has some sort of tonal missteps that don't totally work and it, uh, it's a little chunky in the flow and whatnot but it's it's a good movie that I really, really, I'm behind what the movie is doing and what it's saying. Um, and Hotel New Hampshire, I, I could not stop thinking of all of the directors that would have done a tremendous job with this movie. I completely agree with you. And I'm just like, this movie is is. Had, it, I, I'm just, I'm just gonna say it. This is one of the first movies I have, honestly, down to the bone, disliked completely, all the way through in every possible way because I could tell it was a great movie waiting to be made. Like, I was just like, every single sequence was like, this. if this was Woody Allen, it'd be great. If this was Wes Anderson, it'd be great. If this was, you know, whatever. I mean, like but they every, had such good cast. Time. Oh, yeah, the cast. Is, and that's, this is actually a problem with the movie. This is the, this is the wrong cast for this movie. They're all incredibly humanist, realistic actors from Wilford Brimley to Jodie Foster to uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, main character there. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, famous, handsome guy. Very famous, charming. handsome guy. What's yeah, his name? Like, Why am I blanking on his name now? Yeah. Uh, it's embarrassing. So, this is the 50 year old brain. Anyway, like that, everybody is top notch uh, casting and they need to be in a different movie than this. Like this needs to be at bare minimum needs to be 
a Wes Anderson style presentation so that it flows in some way and so you can connect themes and make it work instead it was just sort of like here's just a bunch of weird disconnected shit and a lot and way too much wallace sean way too much Rob <laughs> there wasn't though it was like 10 minutes total uh that's what i mean <laughs> yeah well wallace, wallace sean is like it's like uh it's like bitters like you just you had a you had just a dash of wallace sean you don't have Wallace Shawn on screen for more than three minutes. Otherwise, your movie is going to start to uh, the sh- fall apart on you. And uh, and this the, this movie just I was so I was so uh, aggrieved by this thing by the end. I was just like, God damn! I hate watching a movie that could be great. So uh, you know, so you know the kid, on that. the kid, egg, mm. yes, the little kid who dies in the plane crash or whatever. That was Seth Green. Yeah. Oh, that was Seth Green. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Better now. Okay, that's a little better. I saw that when I was looking through it today. I was like, "What?" It really yeah. blew me away. I right. never knew that. Right. But yeah. let's talk about what. The, let's let's let's. Well, no. Okay. All right. All right. right. We, we, th- listen. I still think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. This oh, it's, movie it's because, fascinating. Absolutely. And and there's there. And I don't completely think it's a. I I have I actually do have a lot of agreements with you as I watch it the second time. I was like, uh great acting bad directing yeah, there was <laughs> moments where when they were together it was almost like they're waiting for each other's line oh it God, wasn't, yeah. you know what i mean there it's was like, like a high school play the fucking block yeah terrible it and it was yeah. kind of like i i didn't really like it when i saw it but then when i saw it again i just was like i loved the environment and the world but there was like god there's why is everyone just seem like they're just waiting for the other person to read their line and yeah. kind of went it was just the cutting and they no could never make dialogue. this movie oh you could yeah it'd be very difficult to make that. and actually this is a, a sort of a second half of the conversation is i would like to see this movie get made today like yeah I, well a, it could be a netflix series right it would have to be more than two hours like because I, I in describing it you know i was talking about it earlier with ann and i watched it and then we talked about it with um, the kids and i was like this like I don't want to come off as saying like I'm a prude about the subject matter. Like you're just a I, jerk. That's all. I'm, a, I'm a total. I hope everyone knows that by now. But yeah, like the that the that it's not the subject matter. Like you can show me whatever you want. Just make it good, you know. And uh, and so like this thing, I'm just like they're just sort of throwing all this stuff out there and then not making a movie. Like there's the, like you know, like they have you know gang rapes and but I'm just like, what's this? Where are we going? I mean, even if it's supposed to be funny. Like I mean, this is this is a controversial thing to say, but one of my favorite movies, uh, favorite horror movies, is Man Bites Dog, right? I love Man Bites Dog is fucking <laughs> hilarious. And when That's, I watched I it, I really love that movie. I oh, it's it incredible! Theater. I could not stop crying. It was so it's funny. and it's gargantuanly offensive. Like it is. Oh, it's great though. It's, That's it's, the way yeah, you get it. But it's not. An, no one in America would make that movie. Exactly. But it's a great, wonderful, challenging, shocking, incredible movie. And it's it's got rape and murder and it's ghastly and it's hysterically funny, and so like there's no I have no problem with what they're doing in this movie. I'm just like, why am I fucking watching this scene? Like what? Where are we going with this thing? And that was like, it's almost like a play director, a guy who directs plays, um, made this film because there was a lot of moments where visually it could have been resolved and Mm -hmm. it, it. it's just maybe the language wasn't known. Everything was set up like a play. Right. The way they're all like crunched into the frame. Right. And then like, it just seemed like. 
well, yeah, well, you're right. It was missed opportunities. Imagine, and this is a this is a sort of a grand sounding thing to say, but like, well, like imagine if Orson Welles directed this movie, like he would do it correctly. Like he like he knows when you said cram things into the screen, like Welles's shots, especially with Greg Tolan, like they like you'd have single frames that have like twelve people in them at various uh, depths of field. Do you know who could have directed this? Robert Altman. I, I don't. Robert Altman. Yeah. Altman, yep. yes, or what's his name? Um, uh, Bogdanovich. Oh, yeah, 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 that would be very interesting. Yeah, he would have had. I was gonna say Villeneuve because we always say Villeneuve. In uh, the no, Bogdanovich would have done. But you're <laughs> right. Terrible. I think this Villeneuve is, is like the wrong film. one. This was an Altman film made right. by someone who's not Altman. Yeah, yeah, because well, Altman would have made all those stories work in one shot with yes. like and a the audio like would have yeah. been better, and you would have been yeah. more in tune with the environment, which was right. a lot of it. You know, right. it was yeah. a big part of it. Yeah, because I don't believe this, and I think you just put your fingers on it. It's just like the, I do not believe the world that they're presenting at all like that like the, no it feels like a fairy tale yeah well and not even like it doesn't even it just feels no, like, you like said a, it earlier it seems elitist yeah like it's it's so distant and thin i was just like where's like world of heart and garb it's a much more grounded movie and it's much oh, more mainstream movie I, but it's like I so love connected garb more on this viewing than i saw oh it's when very I saw it's it very good movie yeah very, yeah, garb, yeah, yeah. Very yeah okay real quick on the chat though uh who has seen this film like who have seen have you guys seen i'm i'm assuming many of you have seen garp uh have any of you guys seen hotel new hampshire or have you if you seen neither of them because i want to know to what extent we go through them um okay so not okay not hotel new hampshire i still i still think we need to go through uh um both of these films uh in terms yeah. of what it is because it's set up. there is actually some really interesting things in the story in hotel new hampshire mm -hmm. and there's, I think there's the a great story now i want to read the book now it's just like there's a really great story in this book like, clearly yes. clearly yeah uh and it would be interesting like a wes anderson or a yeah well and i think that when eric brought up um um uh, uh bogdanovich like the the difference between these two movies, right, is that Garp is directed with an enormous amount of empathy. Like it's such a gentle, loving, accepting movie for all of its characters. Like every mm -hmm. character, no matter what, gets its fair share of honest attention. And mm -hmm. uh, in Hotel New Hampshire, it's like this is a novelty act. Yeah, this, this is a shtick. Yeah. And Bogdanovich yeah. is is one hundred percent empathy. That's why his movies are great. Right. Well, uh, just to put things in perspective, so this was Tony Richardson directed this. Now, what did Tony Richardson he put direct? his daughter in too? Um, he he directed a couple things. Tom I mean, Jones. Have anyone seen that with uh, yeah. Albert Finney? Is pretty yep. good. Uh, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Pretty good. Yeah. Basically, he was a TV director, and then he became. He tried to follow the Altman route. Just wasn't right. good enough. Just wasn't good. Okay. Uh, so starring this was uh, stars Rob Lowe, Jodie Foster, uh, uh, Paul McCrane, who's actually been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, Bo Bridges, mm -hmm. uh, like we said, very, very, very young Seth Green, um, Wallace Shawn, Wilford Brimley, Matthew Modine. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of people in it. A lot of people in it. I really uh, appreciate, oh, we'll get to this part, but Matthew Modine in the top secret half of the movie was fantastic. 
Wasn't that the, the, the craziest thing ever? Like, what the yes. fuck? Because like, that mustache no was ridiculous. <laughs> but that's the Wes Anderson. That, that is a that's, West, that's, that's part exactly of me right. was like, I, I almost was getting new respect for the film because all of a sudden, yeah. like, wait, what? I could the? see, I, yes, I could see what it was trying to do then. It's like an hour and a half into the movie, but I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're, what you're, what you're failing at. They might as well just trying. painted his mustache on with mascara. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> but yes so a huge cast right huge cast very strong actors uh brimley forget how good brimley is like brimley became kind of He's a punchline so good and when he stopped in the middle of lifting weights mm -hmm. and he was lecturing um what's his name uh, rob Lowe. rob Lowe. rob Lowe on why you should eat oatmeal <laughs> so touch felt like very hard it was like there was this crossover thing before no. crossover. he told him also like to Told him to watch his sugar because he doesn't want to get the diabetes. Diabetes and stain. Diabetes, I, yeah. I, I want to come back inside. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there was a noose behind him the whole time. It was, it was very strange. But yeah, the like, uh, but Brimley is always, Brimley was the go to grounded blue collar character actor for he's, 25 years. Yeah. He's just, Who was uh, the Waltons? He was in the Waltons. He's in the Waltons. He's in the thing. Everyone knows him from that. He's also, yeah. uh, he's terrific in, um, uh, the China syndrome as uh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, he's uh, as, yeah. The, as, the, as the buddy who works at the plant, and uh, he's like, Jack Adele was a hero, you know, just totally fucking great guy. And then so he shows up in this movie and he's instantly good. And then you're like, Why are you here? Just go, just sneak out the back, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's like, Please, uh, can I, my character just die? I could, but I could there were so many holes in it, like. The firecrackers or the the lights going on and the and the sheriff getting a heart attack. I it, it seemed editorially a mess. Like it was, yeah, maybe they didn't they have shot it. a good film. You're right. Or they just I, I don't I don't get it. It was they did not all over it. the map. Like they like that that scene in particular. It's great. So to tell the audience what's going on. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I, it's, it's, okay. So 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 both of these films are really about family and in the very important like love of family in some ways social and sexual stresses in family in family yeah. so social and sexual stresses in family it's a good way to put it so anyway but uh, Bo bridges and his wife uh meet at the hotel new hampshire where they're both working there and uh they have uh this very fantastical experience while working there uh including having a good friend played by wallace Sean, who has a bear as a pet. Yes. Uh, and but don't you think that was like uh, the Grand Budapest? I mean, it was yeah, the hotel, everything around that. And even he must, love that. He, mu he must love that. He must love that movie. Or at least he, he probably saw this movie. He's like, I bet I can make a good movie out of that. That's what I was thinking. I was yeah. like, man, he just, that's what Grand Budapest is. And he just kind of was like, this is my ode to that film. Because there's yeah, too maybe. many similarities, like, and I, there is a lot of similarities. There was a lot of stuff, and I'm I feel like I have to go back and watch Grand. This Budapest. was in 1984. See, this movie was done. By yes, me. I feel like I got to go back to Grand Budapest to see if he inserted any kind of little nods, yeah, nods to yeah. that film to Hotel New Hampshire. Yeah. All right. Like so the they end up. Yeah. Right. They they get married. They get married. Um, they have kids and they end up buying the hotel. The movie is so disjointed. I'm actually trying. To I, I, I had actual trouble trying to understand 
what what's the going on. what the establishing framework of this movie was. Right. I was like, the genius did this happen in the past? Did they buy the hotel and have? I was just and like, as soon as uh, you're like, I don't know what's going on. They bring in Astasha Kinski, and you're like, I oh, forget about it. I just want to see her naked if she can get naked. You, you know, you're totally like, <laughs> it's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> like, okay, I'm in, the, I'm in the I'm in the scenes now. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. But yeah, so, so it's it's this it's this family that's ensconced in this old hotel. The thing is like. And like the the family is uh, every character has their little thing, their quirkiness, weirdness. Yes, right. Your main cool character we're following yeah, yeah. is the oldest son, or is uh, Rob Lowe, who um, is very, very close, very, very close with his sister, uh, Jodie Foster. He wants to have sex with his sister. That's he wants he to have sex to with his yeah. sister very badly. And this is not now again. It's not content. It's execution. Like. There's a perfectly good, interesting way to play that story. They did not do that, <laughs> like, right? Like it's just yeah. sort of like a like. There's no like why why even have this be true if there's no tension around it. Mm. Like it's sort of you know what I'd like to fuck my sister, and then the movie's like maybe someday you will. <laughs> it's like is that a movie? <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> and then they have their other brother who uh, is ostracized for being gay. Yes, who is from fame and even more fame. importantly, one of the bad guys in RoboCop, the guy that gets turned into a toxic gloop and hit by a car. Yes, one yes. One of my all-time favorites. The best, one yes. of the best deaths. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, so that's that's basically the, the main characters that are that are happening. They get together. Uh, also, bad things. had this amazing ability to like, every time it came to like him, there was always this beat as though he was trying to remember the line. There was always this like, <laughs> I love you too. Or it's like, there was like, what's my line? Okay, I'm going to say it. Yeah. There, there are movies that Bo Bridges has been good in. Bo Bridges was Oh, good. I love Bo yeah. Bridges. Like he, 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 can, like, he can do it, but yeah, he does Fantastic do Baker Boys. Is fantastic. It? Fabulous Baker Boys. Yeah, that fabulous is a Baker great, Boys. great movie. Yeah. Interesting movie. Great film. But yeah. yeah, that's like, this thing is just like, Bridges, like everybody is used to minimal effect. Like everybody, Jodie Foster, incredible naturalistic actor, and she's given the most awkward possible role of just like maybe like Rob Lowe's like ah, I'd like to have sex with you, and she's like, oh, you're silly. I mean, also maybe I would like to have sex with you, and also no, and also uh, screw this Nazi. It's <laughs> like I don't know I, how do you even where do you begin with the character? Like how do you I, even start playing that character? Well, yeah. Yeah. So yes, it's like it's yeah, it's bananas. And there it's is like, a villain in this movie who's played by Matthew Modine, right? Uh, who, so well, he's, Matthew Modine plays two villains. <laughs> yes, but and, the first the first villain is is basically the the uh, stereotypical high school bully guy, right? Mm -hmm. Who hates gay people, uh, gay men, and then ends up raping. With his gang raping with his, his football team, right? His, his whole football team gang yeah. rapes uh, Jody Foster, right? Um, and uh, he got away with it too, supposedly. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is sadly realistic. Eric, your phone is really loud. <laughs> what? That wasn't my phone. Yeah, it was. Oh, well. <laughs> what are you talking about? Nothing here. Keep going. They're podcasting, you know that. Right? And they sort of like for a while they run this along this gag of like, here are all the events that happen around classic American holidays. Like it's Halloween and then it's Christmas and then it's New Year's and whatever. Like all this stuff. Like and I thought right. those were the sort of the pearls that they were stringing the story along with. And 
that just so you out. had some sense S- of linearity. <laughs> have you had you seen this before, Dan? I had never seen this. Oh, okay. I had never okay. seen this. Movie. I I saw it when I was very young, actually. I saw it in the theaters. I probably yeah. I saw it. I was probably fifteen when I saw this. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I can imagine that would be, but it would have made an impact at fifteen. There's so much like weird shit going weird on. Weird shit going on. And, yeah. uh And the thing is, like, that's the like. This is the thing. It's like there's not even like a plot to make sense of. Like the general, the general plot is that the family ends up having to move to wherever it is. Yeah, I, I don't understand why. Yeah, Paris. like they end up having to move and move to Paris, and and when they're there, uh, like the uh, Jodie Foster gets involved with this sort of underground rebel semi-fascist group. Um, also played by Matthew. Also, <laughs> also played by Matthew Modine, uh, and uh, and they acknowledge the fact that he looks just like him, which is weird. Well, yeah, like, yes. like here's like here's it's like that. He's a he's a great example of how to fumble weird. a joke, right? Like it's just like they they this movie is shot in a very uh, classic '80s drama, Alan Parker kind of way. You know, it's like it's got uh, lots of. Uh, lots of wood, lots of fog, lots of smoke <laughs> in the room, you know, like all this kind of stuff. Lots of wood. <laughs> and just sort of like, so it's it's playing it like it's it's an Academy Award winning drama, right? And then Matthew Modine is the rapist football player. And then in Paris, he comes back with a... With a ridiculous with a, accent. Well, with, a, <laughs> with a total dub by somebody else and a fake mustache. And I was just like... Yeah. Like, there's... It's like... Like there's nothing in the movie that even supports this kind of joke at all. Like there's just nothing there. Well, it was a little bit of the theater of the absurd type of thing, right? Because you go Wallace Shawn says, I couldn't get my my bear, my bear's dead, so I got a new bear. And the bear is literally Natasha Kinsky in a bear costume. Yeah. Right. So it is the absurdity that they're trying to go for. I uh, think absolutely true. To, but I mean right. you have to make room for the like if you're gonna if if you're gonna make it work. Right. If you're going to make uh, uh, completely absurd things work, then you have to be really careful about how they integrate with the realistic setting that you're portraying. Like if you can do it, it's even better. Like if you have something that is like um, like perfectly realistic and transitions to absurdity, then that's that's even more absurd. But in this case, it just feels like they fucked it up, like they're making two movies and they didn't know how to cut it together. And that's right. And that's it's just, exactly sort, of, it's just it sort of strung there. And so, like, yeah. it comes off as like a half-assed high school joke, in the middle of like you're trying to watch this like semi-realistic drama about a and and then, you know, fucking he comes in doing like a, a tenth grader's imitation of Doctor Strangelove, and you're just like, what the what is happening here, guys? Like, did nobody know this was a bad idea? Like at all? You're shooting and shooting and shooting, and it didn't even occur to you, and it, it was yeah. extraordinarily frustrating. Like, it's the kind of and the, I guess this is where I'm just like, they must have thought they were the fucking cat's meow making this movie and it, it probably shows. did <laughs> like it really shows that they had no because they have no empathy or interest in what they're actually doing and saying it utterly falls on its face at like every turn it's so it's so this this movie came out two years after garp so i'm wondering if that's what they're like yes. we gotta make another one that's yeah. what it was and then yeah. they wanted to we don't want to go to the 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 robin williams route so let's take it another way, but still have that sexuality and the weirdness right. that you got in Garp. 
And right. but I want beautiful people. And so, you know, they went for the young Na Natasha Kinski and Rob right. Lowe, yeah. like the sexiest people around well, he in was 1984 his career. So he was probably a hot stuff back then. Yeah. Well, back she then. was she was when was cat people? That they I did cat it. people and Tess. And all sorts of good, you know, interesting movies. I really love Tess. Tess is a great, great movie. And uh, um, and cat people, cat people was 1982. Mind. So two yeah. years before. So, yeah. yeah. So she was hot off cat people. And then Rob Lowe I was. Said that. I said it yeah. Cat, cat people is great. Cat yeah. people is a, is, not, is, a, is a great horror movie. Great, great horror movie. And then what um, was the other one? What was the Rob Lowe film? Uh, Outsiders, probably. Outsiders. Yeah. yeah. And he did. Um, yeah. There's one of the, he did what? Taps. Taps. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, taps. Taps was great. Yeah, so so like yeah. he's and he's like the young, he was like the young stud guy. He was like in competition with Tom Cruise at that time, you know. And he's, I, I think he's actually pretty, a pretty good actor when he's young. When oh he's yeah, guy, you know. And he turns into a, a really funny comedian. Like I really love his later stuff. It's great. Yeah, um, he's pretty hilarious in uh, in Parks and Rec. Parks and Recreation. Yeah, and Funny also. If anyone's seen um, um, Behind the Candelabra by Steven Soderbergh, oh, oh god, god. he's the best, movie. and he is the he's the cherry on the Sunday of an incredibly charming, funny movie. Uh, and when he comes in with it, he's got so much plastic surgery, they're literally pulling his face back so he can't close his eyes. It's just yeah. amazing. But yeah, he's like he is he is lavishly handsome in a uh, in a almost genderless way in this movie. Uh, and shirtless and constantly the object of desire from every everyone. direction. Yeah, exactly. And it's basically a tour of everyone that he has sex with. Like he that. has a sex with a lot of people. Yeah. And maybe that, like, maybe they could have done that. Like, if they, they could have said, like, what are we hanging this movie on? It's. But they didn't hang it on anybody. That's the they problem. Don't. They don't. You're all over the place and you're right. kind of like, okay, where am I? Where I do I? remember because the, you know, having seen this film ages and ages and ages ago, uh it was uh the <laughs> i had these vignettes of the weird yeah. mo memories of these things like when he was making out with the 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 woman and she takes her teeth out yeah like, like which yeah which is like these are good this i bet these things are in the novel 100 and they're yeah. good ideas they're like, good ideas yeah. but it was like uh yeah just there's a scene where basically there's this woman and he's you know, kind of learn to be sexual with this burn. And he's trying to be very aggressive because he's young and she's like, watch it, watch it. Cause he just like lunges to kiss her. And he's like, ah, and he, he ends up knocking bad. out her false teeth. Right. And she's a normal, she's not an older person. She just happens to have false teeth. And then she takes right. the teeth out and she goes, I've always wanted to do this without them in there. Right. And she starts making out with him with her, without her teeth in. And you can see the look of shock and, weirdness in his eyes right. <laughs> and the thing is I mean like there's like if you do this okay so like i'm just gonna take a selection of scenes here like that scene could be a great scene yes like that could be a legitimately great very weird upsetting like funny and upsetting sure uh and and weirdly sexy scene the way they want it to be but the way they shoot it is a is an a b in in a, in a door frame and that's it like there's they don't they don't stage it they don't do anything interesting with it there's no they don't set any kind of mood. There's no world building around it. They're just like, okay, let's do the fucking fake teeth gag. It's like you're watching Soupy Sales. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's completely blank, and then not like it's like all this stuff, all the jokes, all the uh, nasty stuff that happens, all the stuff. Like they think that the it's like a like for instance, uh, if you this is a, this is a transgressive thing to say about what I'm about to say. Like I. 
uh, I am not against the idea of using rape as the fulcrum of a joke uh, as a concept. Like, I don't think that you can't tell a funny joke that involves rape. I think it's extraordinarily difficult to do that because you have to remember that it's the joke that's funny. Rape is not funny, like zero percent. So if you're going to use this or any other horrific thing as the fulcrum of your joke, you better fucking do it right. Otherwise, you're going to be incredibly offensive. And this is what people do wrong all the time. And so with this, and they do this with the rape in the movie, right? They do this with the, all of the jokes, like the fucking the false teeth bit. Like, they think that the false teeth is the joke. Like, that's not the joke. That's the leverage for the joke. They think the right. rape scene is the, is, like, is the leverage for both drama and jokes, and it's not. Like it doesn't work. They're not using it that way. They're just using it for shock. And, right. and like, that's just, that's what, when something is inappropriate, that's what inappropriate is. Like you're using something that's like, like you're using something that's dangerous uh, as a novelty. And that's dumb. That's bad filmmaking. Uh, and that's what they, they constantly, constantly do in this movie. The one time they almost get it right is when it gets so fucking weird at the end when they set up this sort of like revenge thing for Jodie Foster to have revenge against uh, Matthew Modine, that her little sister who's become a writer puts in this, sets up this whole thing as a play. They get Matthew Modine to show up. And before you know it, Matthew Modine is, has his pants pulled down and he's uh, being mime raped by uh, Natasha Kinski in a bear outfit. Like that's when I was just like, okay, now if this movie were directed by David Cronenberg, it would be gold. Like this would be a great scene. And it would be the scene that I would talk about is it's so horrifying and so funny. And he balanced it into this perfect fucking statement. But instead I was just like, man, I, I feel bad for a Natasha Kinski in this scene. <laughs> like imagine they're just, okay, get in the bear suit and rape Matthew Modine action. <laughs> like, just, I was, you know, it was funny when I, I'm not funny. Well, maybe it is. Um, uh, when uh oh you forgot your phone uh when jodie foster was obviously you know in <laughs> getting uh raped as i was thinking it's like she also did the accused right yes. remember so i was wondering did the accused come before that were they like you know what she's gonna get raped so we'll just get the same woman they got it's raped the, in the other the movie woman, yeah exactly I, I i actually guarantee that's exactly how no uh, that's not what happened because the <laughs> came out after hotel new hampshire but, like, like i think that uh i think that people like the like the rape scene in this movie is just so fucking it's done so poorly and with so little taste or tact or sense of horror or empathy i was i was just i was blown away i was like what kind of fucking moron makes this a scene like it looks like like they like they're like the the guys that are uh attacking her like they're miming they're like they're they have no pants on you can't see her and they're doing this weird sort of like folding push-up thing like yeah it's like is this supposed to be funny because it's not (laughs) like it's just fucking weird that you think that it's funny like everything is everything is fucked in this movie i was just like I, I I was I was puzzled. I was just beyond puzzled. Like, cause I mean, like, because I, I, you can have like, you know, like if you look at David Cronenberg movies, like he has all sorts of crazy, transgressive, and offensive shit happening all the time. But he knows what it is, and he has empathy for what the audience's experience. He's very sensitive as to what 
what emotions he's playing with. And so you can have like in, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a history of violence. Like you can have very cartoonish violence and very cartoonish characters, but suddenly you find yourself in this weird, intensely real, violatingly sexual situation that is so strange, it's kind of funny, even though it's also horrifying. Like that's great direction. And that's where you want, that's why I believe I bet this book goes, you know, where it like carries you to places that you would not choose to go and makes you feel some strange emotions about it. But the movie is. It needed to be a director who would interpret the book in his manner. I think maybe this director didn't have the vision to make it his own. So he just kind of sliced it together as though it was the book kind of writing on the fact that it's Irving, but I just, there was something, and maybe that's what comes across as pretentious, but there was a lot of, uh, it's, it's easy to say editing mistakes or where are you? And it's not, and it's easy to say there was a casting issue, but there were definitely moments where you're like, I mean, how could you shoot this and think it's made sense? Yeah. Which didn't kind of puzzled me. Uh, like the weightlifting and he has a heart attack because the dog comes out. That wasn't even staged right, right? Yeah. Wilford Brimley's death. It was like... Clumsy. And, yeah, and they, they introduce him and they get him there and you start to like him and then they take him away um, and then they give him this death, which was dumb. And then they tri- they start to trivialize death. Like, oh, mom died in a plane crash. Oh, yeah, it's cheap. It's cheap. Yeah, exactly. And like th- this is the thing. Is just like, like I said, like I think there's a good movie in here. You know, and if you give it to anybody else, like, I mean, like, like you said, I believe, I believe you're right. This inspired Wes Anderson. Like there's stuff in this that like seems directly connected to his stuff. Um, but like the, like this is, it's like this is directed by a seventh grader uh, who got a bunch of good Tarantino actors. Tarantino right did a version of this. I was, I actually, I was actually thinking of that, right? Because Tarantino's, ah. Tarantino's version of this movie is uh, Hateful Eight. Uh, yeah. And uh, which is an extremely oh, hard to yeah, like. I lo- I love that movie. It's a great, that great is film. a really beautiful movie. But it is a very uh, offensive, grim, and horrifying. Uh, like everything, everything it's doing is inappropriate, but it's doing it so well that you laugh. And uh, and it points it points the it constantly repositions uh, so that you are always the target of what it's talking about. And it's it's incredibly smart directing, incredibly smart writing, and you have this cast who is sensitive as to how to play a ridiculous caricature within the bounds of what the story is trying to do. Uh, like no one in Hateful Eight is trying to work realistically, right? Uh, uh, they're trying to work within like these this other architecture and find a great performance in it. You know, same with even Pulp Fiction. Pulp, Fi- for instance, here's it like like to clarify my earlier statement. Pulp Fiction plays rape as a joke, and it is funny. It's grimly funny, but it is funny. When uh, when Bruce Willis opens the door and you see Bing Rams being raped by the two Hicks, like it is horrifying and it, yeah, it, like and it gets a chuckle because it's so awful. Like you're just like this is an this is now a nightmare. It's not funny because it like what is happening is funny. It's funny because you can't believe how fast that's descended into an absolute yeah i think that's what it is you're like how it descends everything descends into this kind of what the you in in pulp fiction and that was the beauty it was a ride 
Yeah. You know, like he's right. at the intersection and Vin Rams is crossing. What yeah, the totally yeah, random shit happens. And yeah, then suddenly and we're here. The stakes per right. thing. Here's some and interesting, interesting facts that I'm reading on about on imdb so jodie foster said that this movie was the lowest point in her career <laughs> having <laughs> having, uh, like having turned uh as she turned down uh worthy roles in splash the terminator and the breakfast club oh man her Jody career foster in the terminator her oh, career yeah. would recover into wouldn't recover until uh Silence. uh kim basinger turned down the role of sarah tobias in the accused in 1988 and finally oh. Uh, the big part once assigned uh, to Basinger was won by Foster and which won her her first Academy Award. Yeah. But here's another thing that's interesting. Hold on a second. What was it here? Uh, what movies quickly did she turn down? She turned down, uh, as she turned down worthy roles in Splash. Which came out that weekend, actually the same weekend the, as this. The Terminator, 1984, yeah. and The Breakfast Club in 1985. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, okay, so oh. the film was not... Uh, financially successful as the other adaptation by John Arjing, The World According to Garth. It was much more successful in, in Europe, however, uh, yes, uh, which Irving uh, attributed to the fact that Hotel New Hampshire was much more popular book there than Garth as well. I wonder also if there's a translation thing going on, because I, I always feel like there's like when you like you, because you, you apply your own like how you think about stuff, like wherever you grew up. Like when you see something from another country and you watch it, you're watching it with your own set of ideas and how you grow up. Like you're seeing a little bit of the mores of that country in the movie, but you're actually projecting an awful lot of yourself into the film. And like this happens when you're watching Japanese films or whatever it is if you're an American. And I wonder if it happens happened with this in reverse where they're like Europeans would, Europeans are much more likely to have made a movie like this and also much more likely to have made it well. And so they're probably giving it a lot more slack than mm. uh, we right. can see the details of what is going on because yeah, like what what was the what was the movie that we uh, like take out, get out your handkerchiefs like that yeah, would exactly yeah, yeah. It's yeah great great example great example get out your handkerchiefs is weird and strange and yeah and way more transgressive way, way more transgressive. yeah yeah and it's a and it's a legit great movie like, so instead of Bo Bridges you have to pal yeah exactly that's a great point because like i mean get out, if anyone in the audience hasn't seen get out your anchorage if we did a podcast on it like that's a movie that man if we if that got made today like someone would go to jail <laughs> like it's yeah it's fucking crazy um oh but and that's great, nothing great compared film. to the other one which was uh crap why am i blanking on it uh uh the other one he made it which is uh going places oh yeah <laughs> yes exactly oh like this kind of that stuff, one has a lot of rape in it too a yeah. lot <laughs> because like the thing is the thing to remember with movies that one's is got a lot of rape. <laughs> if you've got a, a scale of one to ten but i mean like that, that's the thing is like the the thing that we are not good at remembering these days is that movies are not real like they're not in they're not as realistic as they feel sometimes they aren't real and they're not actually talking about real things no right. matter how real they are and so I think that people have a lot of problem with subject matters and like having bad guys be your main character and doing terrible things. Like all this kind of stuff is very difficult for people to deal with when they see films today because they are used to seeing um, and like entertainment and news are the same thing to them. Like that's today, how yes. today right? And so we, we tend to think like, oh, this, this movie must represent a truth about me or my reality. 
and that's not what movies do at all like they they're completely symbolic uh and that's why you know like that's why content doesn't like rarely ever offends me it's because it depends on what is being like what is actually being said is more important than than the mechanism by with it, which is being said like it may be using things to shock you or whatever it is but uh hmm. but people get really stuck on stuff like you know i mean like i just can't watch taxi driver and follow a bad person i'm just like like yeah <laughs> I, i've heard people actually say stuff like that That's yeah you said that you know well they say the same thing about the joker like oh my god what it, yeah and we talked about that before but it's like the joker is a, like the joker is an okay movie it's a pretty good movie i was the thing that shocked me about the Joker was how stupid people's reactions to it. How, yeah, like mm. how grand people's reactions to. Well, that's uh, what people were. want to make a stand about something all the time, and it's they want to just, go on social media and just—it's a fucking superhero movie. It's a slightly darker superhero movie than we've seen before. Like yeah. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a little long, you know. But I mean, to treat this as if it's like some—you know what—I'm going to take a stand against vigilante movies of all kinds <laughs> just like, right so fucking that man is an evil person and right. no one should take vigilanteism because look what happened where that's that guy right. kyle whatever shot a bunch of people at the protest because he thought he was fucking batman yeah so yeah, it's yeah. his it's his fault of dc it's fault. movies it's, it's batman's fault. it's all of these marvel <laughs> movies that are picking uh, yeah. you know making heroes right. out of these vigilantes out yeah. there sure. and that's what's wrong with this country well this is, is that the, we're th this is the problem <laughs> yeah like this is the like the universal problem that i, that I struggle with all the time is that spider-man is evil yeah right <laughs> harry potter uh promotes witchcraft yeah yes. and like it's it's all the same it's all equally nonsense to me and then whereas like like there are things that are said in mainstream movies all the time that i think are ludicrous and offensive um, right uh but like i think that people like people like fly off the handle at some very strange things and joker was definitely one of them. this movie like they, either of these movies would cause some terrible trouble today uh and, right. in terms of you know, discourse. no one I, yeah but that's okay but obviously okay there's a lot of similarities between these two movies and it was interesting to see you know in terms of you know family stories or weirdities or whatever and it was so interesting to see how they were both played out so differently in such mm -hmm. different styles right so honestly speaking i thought there that was very interesting in itself right. yeah no i mean like because like clearly i think you're right like they were they're trying to piggyback on garp and they so they try to ape the the style of garb and it's and then launch new actors and like yeah exactly and just like this this movie isn't garb and you should stop trying to make it garb garb is like the reason why garb is successful is because it's actually very grounded and very mainstream and it's trying to bring in serious dialogue and serious concepts into the mainstream but it's basically a very mainstream film uh very likable and accessible and empathic movie and this is is this is total farce and if you're going to make a farce, you have to make a farce. You have to commit to making a farce. And then it's going to work. Like, I was sort of like, like I was shocked that, like, you see, uh, what's his name? Matthew Modine again later in the movie after he's played the dubbed Nazi. And uh, and I was just like, this would be funny if Matthew Modine doesn't say, like, when they see him again on the street and they just go, you did this to my sister, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then have Matthew Modine just look at, look at, uh, look at them and say, I don't know what you're talking about, but have, I don't know what you're talking about be dubbed by the same guy who dubbed the Nazi. Like then you have That's a funny. joke. That's a joke. 
<laughs> like then you go like ah set up and pay off. Yeah, you could tell that there was it's editorial issues because the voiceover was real staccato. Yeah. Like his voiceover, like out of nowhere. It was almost like the fill holes. Yeah. With yeah. like, what do we have here? And maybe because you pointed out of some dis irregularities in the shooting mm -hmm. that he really didn't know. He wasn't a visual director. He didn't know how to, you know, it's, you're supposed to take a book like that or the subject matter like that coming from a book and interpret your, with your own way and really lean on the visuals yeah. and the kind of visual flow. Because you're making a movie. You have to make you're a making movie. a movie based on your impression of that book, not making that book. And stage directors are more attuned to, you know, following the script right. and, and, and the play and the dialogue. We have to make setting. it just the novel. Yeah, exactly. Fuck the novel. The novel, yeah. the novel. Read the novel. If you want to read the novel, it's fine. But and that's like, why uh, Mamet is a brilliant writer. But when he makes movies, they're the same way. They're flat. And well, it's I like, like them still, but it's right. like there's well, no... It's like, like, what's interesting for with Mamet is like Mamet's, Mamet had to... Has, like two of his great plays were made in the movies. One was American Buffalo and one's Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Right. And American Buffalo is, is, is an incredibly boring movie because they tried to make it like a stage play. Right. Whereas you gave Glen Gary, Glen Ross to an action film director, like literal gunfight movie director. And he's like, I have a bunch of great actors here. They're going to figure out how to act. Well, I'm not going to worry about that part. I need to stage this. So it's an entertaining watch. Like and the camera work in Glengarry Glen Ross is terrific. Like that's what keeps the movie fucking rolling. Well, Mamet directed that stage of uh, the heist film with Danny DeVito and Gene Hackman called Heist. Yeah, right. Heist, and yeah. it's the same thing. It's good because I like all those actors, but you're definitely like it's flat. It, yeah, he's got like he has a particular style that he really likes, which is like the no acting style and. You know, hmm. if you if you're into it, you're into it. But like, like I'm sure he didn't like Glengarry Glen Ross the movie because it's way too emotive. Like he would have rather had everyone be completely flat, as you're saying. You know, but it's like the, with this with like with uh with Hotel New Hampshire. You know, it's just like you have to give just like Wes Anderson. You just say like, okay, I'm casting for really specific types. Like Wes Anderson is just like, okay, we're gonna get Willem Dafoe to play the German guy because that takes care of itself. Like that, that you have a movie instantaneously. Willem Dafoe put on the red cap, do a German accent. Vignette. Nailed it. <laughs> like that's it. I don't want subtlety. I want you doing the German accent. And uh, and this movie completely blows it. So I have a question for you both. It's like, what is, if this were a good movie, what would your takeaway be from it? What would be the, what would be the movie's meaning? What are the opportunities they have here um, that they missed by making it so poorly? The importance uh, of family. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. about family. Mm -hmm. So but, it's about family and also like, hey, d it's okay to be weird. <laughs> absolutely. You no, know? it's not that. It's, it's yes, you, it is. It's not, it's okay to be weird. But you don't say that. You just say, this is who we are because we can yeah, you, to be this way. Accept yourself for who you are. And, yes, and you right. know, if, if you want to dress up in a bear costume, it's okay Go to for dress it. up in a bear right. costume. If you... Yeah, if you want to have sex with your sister, it's okay to have sex with your sister. <laughs> it's a bizarre thing to say, but yes, I mean, like, I think, like, again, like my my, my only problem with that through line is because, like, I was I was saying, Anne, I was just like, you know, like, uh, the book Lolita is incredible, incredibly well written. It's funny, it's depressing, it's sad, it's wonderful, it's incredible. Um, but you can't film that book. It's something. It's something you can only do in a book. 
Like in order to make a funny movie out of it, Kubrick had to make something completely different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I've read yeah I've read Lolita several times. Oh, it's brilliant! brilliant. And I love the 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 movie. And it's absolutely you need somebody like Kubrick to just do it yeah. his own way. Like he just like, he throws the novel away. Exactly. He's, he's just I'm making a movie. I have to make a movie that works. Number one, that's my that's my first job. And what's what's brilliant with that movie, for instance, is that like instead of like there's you know the book is relatively explicit all the time. And Humbert Humbert's sort of like you know like everything he's thinking and everything that goes on and all the like the sexuality is not implied it's completely actual right uh and uh whereas in the movie it's an extremely chaste uh uh sort of bedroom comedy farce which is not what the Mm -hmm. book is like right and this is what the genius of the movie is is that everyone who's going to the movie knows what the movie is about what's going on what the what's 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 happening in the plot but because it's played so coyly, like it's a fucking episode of I Love Lucy, right? That uh, it makes you laugh all the way through to the third act. And then it goes, what the fuck are you doing laughing at this stuff? And turns it around entirely. And yeah. so you, and so you're suddenly shocked by the fact that you've been like tacitly okaying this behavior the whole time, which is the fucking point. <laughs> like that's the gag. So you found it a movie way to, to pull the pull the rug out from underneath you and uh and like what jason says here is like i read irving uh thought it was uh yeah and i thought the movie was a slavish critics like that it uh, was faithful uh and uh and i'm just like stop trying to fucking make faithful adaptations that's that is the least faithful thing you can do like make a movie of what the book made you feel you know and don't try to film the book the book is not going to adapt ever and this was like, I can imagine reading this. Uh, like I, I was watching every scene, just like, you know, woman in bear costume rapes the dude. I could read that. Watching it, I'm like, um, maybe rewrite. <laughs> maybe, maybe, re- maybe restage this. <laughs> Jodie Foster dressed up as a vampire. I don't know. This, this, this isn't coming together for me. Yeah, that was, that was odd. I forgot about that. Yep. I just uh, found out that going places, there was a, a, a remake of it, an American remake of it called really? Made in the USA in, in the 80s. What? Yeah. No kidding. Oh, we might have to do a compare and contrast. On that uh, one. And I, well, you can't find either of the films. Neither of them are available. 1987. Right. Two mischief friends. Dar and Tuck leave their dying coal mine town. Yeah, that sounds like the similar film. Right. They're never going to be able to make that movie in America. Never, ever. No. (laughs) Not possible. Not possible. possible. Okay, listen, a couple of things. Uh, We're going to take a short break, but I am going to go ahead and put in here uh, and our uh, invitation to our... um, uh, to our uh, Discord. So in our chat right now, yes, we have a Discord right. link. I'm going to put it in. So go ahead. If you'd like to join our Discord, we'd love to have you there. Uh, we discuss things. In fact, give people ideas if they want to have their ideas of what movies they want to watch or whatever. We'd love to see you. We've got several new people that I've never seen in our chat, so I'm very happy to see that, including Luis Tena, who said he's excited to see Garp, which I will talk about after mm-hmm. in a little bit. 
uh, but also like to say hi to La Kylie, La Narai, uh, La Cref, I think, uh, Rogue Girl, hmm, and, right on. Uh, Saga, Sega Dream, Sega, Sega Dream. Dream, Sega Dream. Hello to all. Yeah. Hello, Hello, everyone. Those are some names I don't think we've seen in our chat before. So hi That's to cool. all those guys. Yeah. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to take a uh, quick. Uh, I was going to do make like a coffee. Quick, Oh, nice. uh, all right, we'll do a, a, a. I'll give you two minutes to do your coffee. So non-alcoholic though, so non-alcoholic non coffee. Yeah. All right, uh, so I'm going to take a two-minute break right now, and then we'll be back in two minutes. If you are a subscriber to us on Twitch, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, please subscribe to us. It's very welcome. It helps support our channel. Um, and I know that Jason just resubscribed again, so thank you, thank Jason, you. for thank you, Jason. Right on, right on. You're one of our most loyal people on this on our little journey, and I really appreciate it. Absolutely. But it does help. And if you're a subscriber, generally you should not get ads when we take an ad break. So we'll talk about other things. But um, meanwhile, uh, we'll be back in two minutes. For those of you uh, who are watching ads, just hang tight, and we'll be back, and we'll talk about GARP. So here we go. All right. Go for that coffee. Go for Need that coffee. Myself. Need some coffee? All right. Uh, are you, what are you? I'm my coffee's gone cold, but it's still delicious. I found this new uh Rwandan coffee from Trader Joe's. Oh, yeah, darn good. Mm -hmm. yeah, Trader, I wish I was a Trader Joe's that was a little bit closer to us. Mm. Delicious, delicious. How far coffee. is your Trader Joe's your closest Trader Joe's? It's not, it's not too far away, it's just across sort of like a, a little tangle of traffic that's not as fun. It, it's not a convenient thing. I'd like to be able to be like take a stroll down to Trader Joe's. Oh my God. Thing. When I lived in Toluca Lake, we were just literally like three block walk from Trader Joe's. That's, so you just walk there. That's the sweet spot right there. Yeah. And then you just walk there with one grocery bag, pick up enough stuff to yeah, eat. Yeah, because that. that's it's the kind of stuff they sell, right? Yeah. Like they sell these really cool little things. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Like if I went there to just shopping, I'd be like, okay, here's my grocery cart filled with uh, those uh, Reese's peanut butter cups they make with dark chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's also like that's the way, you know, people used to go shopping. They would shop for the day, not yeah, for exactly. the whole week and just fill the freezer full of crap, you know right. what I mean? And then and you're like, you're a little more selective if you're if you're judging by what what you think you might want today. As opposed to, mm -hmm. oh shit, I might as well get eight loaves of white bread. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, indeed. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's basically um yeah anyway that that's a good it's a good it's a decent coffee it's a decent coffee so i had a very interesting experience last night so i, I posted on um on uh, both discord and uh tweeted about it yeah. um the miami vice podcast the the podcast about the movie that i listened to uh <laughs> by uh blake howard uh who also did one heat minute which is uh uh, uh every single minute of heat as an episode of a podcast where they brought on people to talk about it that culminated in actually getting Michael Mann to talk about it in the very end. Um, but then now they're doing the Miami vice one. They showed they had a private showing last night uh, online of their special cut of Miami vice, which is both the director's cut and the theater uh, version. The best parts of those cut together into a single film. And I tell you, I've never found uh, people talk about when they they feel they found their people, like being on that chat line. I found my people. I was like, <laughs> well, oh, was it on a was it on a Twitch? 
it was on this weird setup through Vimeo. Like they were the owners of the website were watching it in a play window, and then we were privy to their screen, so we could watch their their personal edit of the movie. And uh, and, and you could it, hear them talking over it. Was it? Uh, the... They didn't talk over it, but they let the chat line run. And there was so much intense love for Miami Vice. I was like, finally, I've arrived at my heaven. <laughs> it was really, really something. Oh. Eric is back. Yeah, it's funny because I love the fact that Eric just just does not care that he's actually on a podcast. On a podcast, he's, he's getting some coffee. He's just he's getting some coffee, talking to his dog. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, it's, it's professional, and you know, Hello. he gets the, the loudest possible stool to sit on. I hey, Eric, you're like, back. Re realistically, I think <laughs> I just get the what. Uh, we're, we're talking about the, the excellent casual nature of this podcast. And uh, Oh, because and the, I uh, went get coffee or... Yeah. Got coffee, talking yeah. to your dog, yeah, slamming a big dog. Oh, you around. can hear all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. But, but, but actually, I sort of I sort of endorse this because, I mean, really, I could... I mean, it's not... Your phone possible. rings. Yeah. Could, like, I could... I, if I could just, like, talk nonsense all day long while I'm working, it would, it would keep me from feeling weird about muttering to myself. I like it. I, yeah. I like it. I like the fact that it feels like we're just hanging out with Eric. That's it's true. We're just at Eric's house. That we're slightly removed by the distance of one country. <laughs> but it is sad, but it is true. Separate yet equal. I was just <laughs> saying, Eric, that I got to I got to hang out with a bunch of people that deeply love, unironically love the Miami Vice movie as much as I do. Oh. And I feel I feel spiritually inspired. I was so thrilled. It was okay. amazing. God. Yeah, it's just something else. Yeah, they, I thought you know every now and again you think, you what know, if what? they're all just a bunch of really really whacked out QAnon people? That, that I maybe maybe it maybe that's how they got they get people. They're just like you know what if you like Miami Vice two thousand six, what about this PizzaGate stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Seems to make yep. sense, 2006? right? Two thousand six. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And only now is it being recognized for the great film that it is. Just okay. It's true. The the Atlantic just did an article about the. I uh, watch it again. Oh, it is a it is a stone cold masterpiece. Animal Kingdom, such great writing. Oh, I hear it's awesome. Yeah, I hear it's great. Oh, and the heists are so damn good. Oh yeah, uh, right on. I know you love heists. Is so good. That we got. So yeah, I gotta check that out. I got. I would I could watch a movie that was nothing but heist. Like I don't even oh, care. Oh, I love the heists. Yeah. Give me the heist, baby. That's all I need. Um, that is interesting. That is interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, what's going on? What else did I miss? Man, that was the highlight. We talked I think about that Trader was the, Joe's. We talked about Trader Joe's a little bit while you were getting coffee. Because thank I you for about... letting me get a coffee. Because I was talking dog, about the coffee the that I like to get at Trader Joe's, which is like a Rwandan coffee. It's got a gorilla on it. I like That's it. why. Hmm. I think, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, man. I've been. I've. I've had to sort of half calf my coffee. Uh, so I'm looking for any suggestions as to what works for decaf. I'm using Starbucks decaf. It's okay. I had a good friend of mine while I was living in when I was living in Greece, and it was a good friend of mine, and his family. They all moved to Kagili, Rwanda. Like, <laughs> I remember, like. That's far. That is a <laughs> That's a little middle of nowhere. It's the middle of nowhere. There's yep. like, it, yeah, it's it's a very small little country. 
it's true good coffee i i appreciate that much and also like the two things i want in my coffee are decent flavor and great graphic design and uh that's what makes a great bag of coffee to me it's like i, I want to sound like a commercial great. you're like wilford brimley of the podcast world <laughs> exactly nothing beats getting up in the morning and seeing some fun and i like it and design. it's good for my gut and yet god darn it i'm gonna like it i love dunkin donuts in real life but i can't just pick up an orange bag in the morning and have decaf yeah, see, I think that's I think it's reasonable. Starbucks books did extra effort in some very very nice book jacket kind of design for the total pretentious experience that I demand. Here mm -hmm. I am. It's true. Um, Chris, do you grind your coffee at the store? No, I have a grinder. I do it in my teeth when I sleep. I have one of these machines that um, it, it, it's an um, espresso machine. Oh yeah. Right, but I just I mean just I to grind and then I tap it, I take the k -k -k, and then I go in, you know. Do you love that I process? I love that process. Did we lose Chris audio? No, uh, I'm here. Can you hear can me? You hear me? Okay. Hmm. I love the the process of making espresso is better than espresso itself. Yes. Right. I hear you. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know what's a really good espresso? Though. You know what's a really good espresso is not the machine. It's the old one that the one that you put the the on the on the stove top. You know that one? Oh yeah, 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 right. The one that that's it's you, you it's screw a, it's it. There's like a, a top double, part and the bottom water. part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you I put had the... that in New York, and I, uh, yeah. I take the uh, the boiling water and put in instant coffee, and you boil it and you mix it with milk. Mm. That will give you a heart attack. That'll do the that's trick. That's like New Yorkian kind of coffee. So yeah, good. I like it. That's not um, but you gotta I gotta watch myself with my coffee because I did have a heart incident like a month ago. Mm. So I, I have to cut it down. Um because it's uh it definitely will kill you. Yep. Yeah, you just go, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm gonna say I'm dialing, dialing down all that stuff right now. I'm in the process of dialing it all down. You can decaf it, buddy. Decaf. I'm halfway there. I'm halfway there to decaf. I do I do a half calf in the morning. I know. Uh oh. Okay, the world according to Garb. I think one of the things, obviously, uh, Robin Williams is really good in this. It's yes. one of his best roles. I think it's one of his best. I yeah. saw it. I remember seeing it in theater, and I was it was it threw me back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I saw seeing it again, and it's the first time I've seen it since the theater. I I just fell in love with it, like in a different way. It's mm -hmm. a really beautiful film. Really, really, and it's George Roy Hill, like Big Red One, George Roy Hill. No, oh, that's uh, no, it's a uh, uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, George Roy. Hill. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, big, big Red One is actually the long cut of Big Red One is great, and that is um, uh, the guy who did uh, Shot Quarter, uh, the Samuel Fuller. Samuel Fuller. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, like Hill Hill was a good director for a good long time, sort of faded out towards the end, but uh, but yeah, I mean. Oh, he but, did the thing about the with Paul Newman, and they take over the precinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Fort Apache, the Bronx. That's it. Yep, yep. The, I think that was the first image I can remember of Paul Newman as a child. Is when the ad for Fort Apache when he's going, when he goes up to the guy with the knife, and he's like, and I was like, oh. I was totally mesmerized by that. It was Ed Asner was in that movie, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good little movie. There was a, I, I, you know, I'll get into it later, but I, I have a, 
thing that um, about that period in filmmaking, there's something about it that I just can't put my finger on it. Like I love the films from the late seventies to early eighties, mm -hmm. which depicts different periods. Mm -hmm. I think there's something romantic about it. And there's a very distinct, the way they interpreted like, like ragtime, the film. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. well, you, we talked about your 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 love for that. What's that? The oh god, I'm blanking on it. The the time travel one with uh, Christopher Reeve. Somewhere in time. Somewhere yes. in time. But there's there's something about the filmmakers at that period. It's almost like they're the ones that grew up on. You know, their Pulp Fiction was you know these magical movies of the 50s or 60s. I mean, it's just right. a. It's a different way of seeing things and it's gone because right. that was like a, almost like maybe and after watching this, maybe it was the guys that were saw the musicals when they were really semi relevant. Right. You know, and, and the films with the stars from the period that we talk about and we love that way it was really relevant and they mm -hmm. capture a little bit of that. But then it just changed, you know, yep. right after in the late 80s and 90s, it became it became a cartoonish effect of that yes. that time period. It becomes a shtick. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Henry Bumstead did the art direction for Garp. Oh, yeah, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. look up Henry Bumstead, yeah. that guy yeah. was like, that guy was the dude. And he was, was around forever. I think he even worked with, um, what's his name? I'm so bad with names, but... Um, the German director, you know, Metropolis, Fritz Lang. Fritz Lang, yeah. I no, he worked with, Bumstead did, um, uh, what's his name? All the cool movies with uh, Hitchcock. Yeah, with Vertigo, right? Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, Bumstead. Did Bumstead also work, I'm looking at the list now, he did, worked on Unforgiven as well? Jesus Christ. He was, yeah, he was. Sting, Slaughterhouse he Five. He was yeah. huge. Yeah, big time. And there was just, and you know what it is? You could tell about the Bumstead. Aesthetic? Was, well, not only is the aesthetic, but. In that, I realized that because you, you know that I went to grad school for production design, and I was working as a production designer, art director, draftsman. But I always was infatuated—not infatuated. I love the old production designers, like um, Cedric Gibbons, of course, mm -hmm. for many reasons. And uh, his his nephew is Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, who I always loved his guitar style. So I always had this thing for the Gibbons, but. Glenn Close is there and she's writing or doing something mm -hmm. in her office in the garb. And behind it is a picture of the house from Fisher's Island, which is opening to scene. Yeah. But that kind of connection. Yeah, because of the placing a picture prop yeah. of the house. I was like, that's genius because, yeah. you know, you'd think that she's just so independent going on her own way, but yet she has to be reminded of where she came from. Yeah, it, it tells a little story without telling you a story. That's right. It, it, and it, that's the beauty of the film of production designer and art direction. Production design. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's job on the, on a movie is to tell the story. Right. And like yep. you do it as with as much of your tools as you, as you can. Bumstead was definitely a hero of that stuff. And that's so like, go ahead. Go, I was just going to say, let's, let, let's, the other thing, George Roy Hill was the director on this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he is very interesting because he did the Sting as well, which we mm -hmm. talked about just recently. He also did Butch really? Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites. He also oh. did Slapshot. Oh, that's a good movie. That's a good. And movie. he did Slaughterhouse Five. Like yeah. that's an interesting 
George Rahel. George Rahel. Yeah. yeah. My, you know, somebody I know, her really good friend, back in LA, we lived in the apartment next to her for years, and we still occasionally talk to her, but her really good friend is was in that movie. And every time he would come by the apartment to say hi to her, I would talk to her about Slapshot, and I will get you his name. He, he was the nicest guy. Um, and he, he just had the greatest time. He was a young actor, and he basically, working with Paul Newman, you know? Oh, yeah, and, sure. And um, it was... Uh, Emmett Walsh is in that. I did not know. He also directed Eric. Eric. He also directed Jerry Hauser. He also directed the Great Waldo Pepper. Yep. I now let's go back to the Great Waldo Pepper. I was just thinking that Jerry Hauser was the guy. Mm -hmm. So you recognize him, Jerry, nicest guy. And but Great Waldo Pepper for me. That's a landmark for you. Yeah, like the we always talk about that scene. And she fell off the but I love that film and that interpretation of that the 20s period and the turn of the century. I love that Americana directing, but that's all gone, dude. There's it's very hard for directors today to do that. Yeah, it's tough to recreate that. And I think that like the because unless you put a cape on them, oh god, make them a superhero. Like I I I hate to sound like a bitchy old man, but I'm just like like the because the, you're not the last person sorry i'm on a roll the it, last person to catch that period or at least a period and really do it was tarantino in once upon a time yeah absolutely i mean yes. and which, which yeah it's just captured like, that and it, that feels, is, it feels like an entirely deep experience like you're just like this it is, is Morgan, literally every level all the way in the back back i of don't the frame. know what you're it is it. that we lost something but i always yeah. feel like in the it early takes an 80s, enormous amount of work it takes an enormous amount of work to do that stuff you know, like to, to, to build it out that deeply, just like you're saying with the photograph. Like, I think that people. Storytelling's like, changed though for the know, directors. The, yeah. the, and it's just a different thing. I, and it seems like it, that's like totally the end of the era. Because in the 70s, everyone was infatuated with old Hollywood and sure. Gatsby and that whole thing. And I love that. Uh, and then by the time the 80s came around, everything became very mechanical. Well, everything becomes very artificial. Right, everything becomes very artifice, artifice built in the in the 80s. It's like basically it, the only thing that's important is what is in center frame, and then everything else is just a stylization. It's like a nagel painting or something like this. And uh, whereas, like the reason, like the reason to go back and look at the old movies isn't because they're old and then oldness is wonderful, which is not true, uh, but rather because what they were really doing in say Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is what people talk about now is world building. Like that's what butch cassidy does through and through and through like you believe the entire world of the film yeah but they didn't have a word called they didn't have a bullshit word for it like they were just making a movie it's called filmmaking exactly yeah and now they talk about it like it's a novelty yeah Uh, world building building. yeah exactly look like what they did on akira world building world building that's right and the hitman knew the way to do that obviously is to have enormous monologues that tell you the history of what happened like, right. can you fucking imagine if you're watching the great Waldo Pepper and like you, you treated it like modern superhero movies do. And you're just like, we just want to go into a 40 minute backstory flashback about planes. <laughs> like <Yeah>. who cares? <laughs> you know? And so like, yeah, yeah, if they some... tried to do Waldo Pepper today, it would be, yeah, it wouldn't, you could never do that. Like, would they would, no one would, it. no one would go to the theaters for it. People don't know how but people, people just don't know how to look at the good thing that like they, they just well no uh, if you just said i had a story about these flyers 
at this time period, Great Waldo Pepper, you think somebody would go see it? No, no, they would no. say boring. You'd have to pitch that as a series and do it like a Netflix series, and you'd have to pitch it so that there are lots of um, monologues about people's uh, youth, youthful trauma. That's how you get that stuff made. Like, yeah. and, and just like the, like, you know, and there's plenty of good examples. And then you have to throw in every that. single uh, 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 gender, sexual orientation uh, and, and, and race uh, all combined as much as possible. Yeah, well, yeah, for no particular reason. <laughs> for no <laughs> reason, yeah. right, right, for no, no context. Yeah. All. Yeah. <laughs> With no context. Yeah. It's just a, like, let's check these boxes so we don't get So yeah, sued. we have to say that yeah, we've done all yeah, exactly. these things. And, and anyway. Twitter All right, so okay, I want to get to, to, to Garp a little bit. So uh, the start, it stars Rob Williams as Garp. His mother is Glenn Close. Uh, his wife is played by Mary Beth Hurt, who was married to William Hurt at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, and also stars an incredible performance by John Lithgow. Uh, uh, Susie Kurtz plays a, uh, the hooker in it. Uh, who right. else I got to let my dog out. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jessica Tandy is... And Hume uh, Crone, yeah. And Hume Crone were, yeah. were, were, were Glenn Close's parents, which were yep. great. By the uh, way, I don't know if anybody noticed, and I'm sorry, I'm being very rude, Chris, but... In the first one, Hotel New Hampshire, the woman that plays the mother, yes. Bo Bridges' mother, mm -hmm. she yes. was the. I was watching this. Bo, I'm like, how Bo do I know Bridges' her? mother or Bo Bridges' I mean, wife. wife? Sorry. Yeah. How do I know this woman? She was the one that was killed in New York last summer. Because I looked this? it up. I'm like, what? Because I read the New York Post every day. She mm. was crossing a street and a guy was on a scooter and oh. he hit her, killed her, and took off. That sucks. That's there, and it made the New York Times like yeah. it was a big deal about biking and scooter safety in the city. How do you? Wow, killing someone with a scooter! Yikes! Uh, well, they're Lisa, just driving. Lisa Baines side. was yeah. Lisa Baines was yeah, her name. And, yeah, yeah. Good actor. She Very was, actor. and I was like, I totally had to look everybody up at the and end. She and she died like, in 2021. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like. And just to say some more positive things about Hotel New Hampshire. Hotel New Hampshire is very, uh, like we can't get to the good movie. We, I just want as, as a transition to the good movie. I would like to say a few nice things about the old the movie that I hated. Uh, what was very nice in that movie is that it uh, that it was had extremely progressive stories and uh, casting. Uh, sure. And, uh, like I was just like having like as I you know I don't know very much about John Irving, but like. Uh, World according to Garp is similarly progressive in its social views and very and uh, especially and, at that time. Yeah, and especially at the time. And I uh, and uh, and this is like the outcome of many of these stories is just like it's interesting to see this happen in the mid eighties when people thought this did not happen. Early eighties. Yeah. Well, this was yeah. I actually, you know what? I want to go back to that. I want to take back what I just said, especially at that time. I feel we've regressed a great deal. I agree. In terms of those progressive thoughts. Yes. I think we now think of ourselves as uber progressive or you know, at least a lot of people We've on the left. Conservative and quite racist. <laughs> we have become conservative and quite racist in some cases, but I also think that even people who are like massively inclusive about things are so aggressive about it that it actually well, is not this, as this comes up in Garth. freeing this is actually, as it as it is like it is portrayed in this movie. Yeah, like a, like in uh, Garp handles this very well, I think. Because, better, better than any that like people should take note. Yeah, and like watch the, this movie <laughs> specifically the Ellen Jamesians story in Garp. Yes, is what it was a very profoundly moving and very important thing 
uh, for me to have seen at a very young age. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, like, because we talked, uh, there's a, a discussion on Twitter recently about like, um, like moments in movies that really uh, sort of became part of my moral, st- internal moral structure. Um, right. And uh, Garp has one of those. Uh, and it, only in re, re, re-watching that, I was like, oh shit, this is, I remember seeing this for the first time and having this particular sense of morals makes sense, makes sense to me very clearly. Um, and uh, the, on, online, I was talking about witness when, uh, the grandfather talks to the little boy about guns. Uh, mm-hmm. it was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life. And it changed my life to see a single scene. And so, uh, I was, I was thrilling to see Garp again and say like, oh my God, I forgot there's, there's and a thing. You say that right because for me as a kid, the movie that I remember coming home and I was crying so much, I think like my whole family's looking at me in the living room that I think they thought, I don't know, they, thought, they definitely were worried, mm-hmm. but it was the great Santini when they broke the honey jars for Tumuk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And right. I was like, how could they do that to a human being? I was so yep. upset that it yep. changed my views on so many things in life yep. because of that. The Great Santini. I loved that movie. Yep. That's, um, that's, that's a good film. I haven't seen that in a while. That's a great film. It's a really the honey film. jars. And they were just picking on him and then they killed him. And it was so unjust that it just angered me. Yeah, absolutely. And I was crying. They're like, it's just the movie. We're worried. We're going to go see, <laughs> take you to a therapist again. Hand like, for one second. I just have to say that. What? Um, sorry, I had to click mute because I was going to yell. Like, I just got Nashville hot chicken from Jaybirds delivered to me and just walked in and gave it to me. It's very exciting. Nice. That was very and that's sweet. our new sponsor, Jaybirds. Jaybirds, Heineken Double Zero. Yeah, we're, uh, we're on point now. But yeah, okay. Erica, like, this is, like, this, are, this is the thing, right? It's just like you forget, like, this particular period of movies, like the 80s, I was in, you know, I was uh, nine in 1980. And so, like, I was, this represents a very important period of my movie watching, right? Mm-hmm. And many of these things, World According to Garp, I saw, I saw it on HBO. Um, uh, Witness, I saw in the theater. And, uh, and these things, I'm just like, when your mind is really looking for how does the world work, um, these things sort of click in, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and they really, it could really sort of set you on a course in uh, a very powerful way and i wonder who i would have been without seeing certain key movies like this because like he's pick on star wars and say like well star wars is very important you know seven that's why i'm doing what i do today that kind of stuff and it's true but like i think that movies like the french connection probably were more important in a in a subtle way um uh, world according to garp you know like you wouldn't expect it but these things sort of come out of left field they hit you at the right moment and suddenly you know, you're a different person in the future than you would have been. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah, I, I really liked, uh, I know Chris, you were talking about Garp. I, Garp, seen at this time, really, you realize the genius of uh, Robin Williams. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, for sure. And what a loss. I mean, oh, he's lovely in this movie, he, too. Uh, yeah. And, and we, it's, we almost would have lost him, too, back then. Because you know he was with Belushi that night at the hotel. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I think De Niro stopped by. Yeah, he was dabbing in those waters, and then he went to go see Belushi and hang out with him in the bungalow. And then he was like, oh, I got to get going. 
there was a there was a thing about you know Robin Williams as we know he was had a substance abuse problem, um, and uh, he he quit. Obviously, he went sober or whatever. But apparently, there was a story about when he was shooting. What's the what's the film where he's in Insomniac? Insomnia? Insomnia. Yep. And he was shooting that in Alaska, and then he kind of fell off the wagon. <laughs> Not dissimilar to what happened in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, he was like suddenly he was at a bar getting drunk <laughs> every night. Mm -hmm. Huh? Uh, which I was weird. Yeah, um, but the thing I think what, what what sort of got me on this Robin Williams thing is like I somehow I got I found this this old clip of Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it was it was oh, very man. very very. The one Robin. where he was dressed up as like a, a military garb. Oh, uh, 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 Winters. Winters was yes. He, he was dressed as a Confederate, uh, low as a as a Yankee soldier. Yeah. Um. And uh, uh, it was it was pretty funny. But Robin Williams was you know being top notch, crazy Robin Williams as he did uh, in those days. <coughs> but you know, <clears throat> they kept talking. It was right when he did Fisher King. <coughs> Excuse me. And um. He was just, you know, being crazy, goofy Robin Williams. And then Johnny Carson's like, well, do you like doing stand-up or do you like doing this very serious acting? And he says, why can't I do both? Right. Right. And it was good. They're so different from because stand-up comedians usually are not good actors. But yeah, it, Robin, it takes a certain kind of personality to make that transition. Right. But he but he went to Juilliard. Right. So like he, he was roommates with Christopher Reeve. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I heard that. That's interesting. Yeah, so they were. He was a good. He was a good actor, right. and so Garp is like an example of like really good acting <laughs> that he did, and believable. Like I really believed him. And there are certain things like, you know, I hate I have to pull on Eric when I get to the end of the movie. But when he finds out that his mother died, mm. like the expression on his face just from that scene of the shot from outside where he yep. hears the phone call, right? Ah. Oh, it was so yeah, good. It's great. It's just great. And the thing is, then that's that's not just like that's him working with Hill together to do it right. Right. Like, it's not just like, okay, Robin, take it away. Like th those guys really <laughs> understood the movie. Yeah. You know, they had to frame it right. They had to put it right. right. They had to do it. Yeah. It was. Right. No, really, was... really. They, it's it's a shame that I don't, I don't know if they ever worked together again, but they did. They really, really worked well on this picture, and uh, and it really is like he's the. He is the core of that empathy and humanism that makes the movie so personal to me. Yeah, because and I like that he's not even like he's a like he like for instance like he is a you know uh, he's a wrestling coach right like he is wrestling constantly in this movie with what is happening around him like right. he doesn't know how to feel about stuff like he is conflicted constantly by what he believes is good and true versus how he immediately feels about what this means over and over and over again you know he's mm. he's struggling to be empathic when people are coming down on him hard or when it's like his you know mother is incredibly distant or whatever it is like mm. you know like he's he's constantly trying to trying to make the good choice and uh and this is a very to connected to our earlier conversation this is a very different kind of character than people are used to today like yeah. uh 
because today you want someone who makes the good choice and always makes the good choice and is obviously moral from the get-go and doesn't change into something else like no he, he's done he does a lot of bad things no he is like like garp is not a likable person much of the time he's very selfish you know yep. and does and uh and to like has negative reactions to things that he should be way more empathic to and all sorts of stuff like that and this is true in the novel and, well. and and when he acts does good things bad things happen to him yeah exactly that's another thing that's very interesting right all right let's go through the story real quick because it is a complicated story and i think it's important to give context to it for those of you guys who have not seen it but again you know that's the sort of logo of our podcasts movies you never got around to watching but now you don't have to so robin williams uh no so it's glenn close starts out with glenn close who is a nurse and she was a nurse uh she was taking care of wounded soldiers and there was one wounded soldier who um was not doing so well but he had a constant erection and she uh this she tells the story of this this isn't actually uh, uh, put in there she explains how she got pregnant which is basically she had sex with a guy who could couldn't even talk but had a constant erection in the hospital uh and then he died right after uh he impregnated her she raped and so him. she rapes him she rapes him right she rapes him but uh yeah there's anyways the, or is in the movie there's a you ra you raped him you raped a dying man <laughs> <laughs> you raped a dying yes that's just played by her father who can barely hear uh which is very funny anyway um so uh she has Hugh Cronin. Hugh Cronin. Hugh Cronin, yeah and jessica tandy as his, as a mother that's it so she decides she is going to have the you no know, she has a child and doesn't want to get married right no marriage nothing right and all she knows is that uh, uh, the her father, the, the 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 man who was her uh, her the the rapee mm -hmm. uh, was uh, uh, technical sergeant Garp, and so she just names her son T S Garp. Yep, T S Garp. T S Garp. T S Garp. So that's what her son's name is, and so she's a single mother, and that's another thing that's wasn't well accepted sometimes right. in those things right well and she's also like a very a volunteer single mother yeah, yeah volunteer single mother she is right. um she is both this this it's glenn close she's a fantastic combination of sort of like intellectual and distant but very kind like very she's kind, yeah. like she is like she is she's a very and i i personally respond to this story very much because this is ex identical to how my mom was and oh, um uh, i could see that and uh you know like super smart very very intellectual person um connected to people via intellectualism um wanted her son to read lots of books this kind of stuff and um but at the same time the core of all of it was trying to understand human emotion <laughs> you know and that's what glenn close does she's like like her view of sexuality is one of deep curiosity like it's not so much that she experiences it, uh, but rather that she is sort of like this or is wants really, to or wants to experience it. She's just like this doesn't seem very interesting to me. Uh, but yeah, it she has absolutely right. She right. has absolutely no interest in sex for herself, right? But is fascinated by people's concept of lust. Yeah, and how and how it uh, like how this drives people to do inane, cruel things all the time, right? You know, and how women are entirely a second-class citizenry because of this. These, you know, uh, because of how this affects people. You know, right? And uh, 
And so she becomes, over the course of the movie, a feminist icon to the fictional world of 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 uh, Robin Williams. Right. So she, uh, right. Um, so she's a, she's a nurse in the school, and she lives in the school, and her son lives in that school, and goes to that school, and um, has a interesting life with his mother. Lots of interesting things happen to him. He is, Robin Williams is very, very interested in sex. Mm -hmm. right. uh, it's interesting also because this is also a movie where Robin Williams, uh, as an actor in this movie, plays the ages of from 17 to 40. Like all <laughs> right, right, because <laughs> right? right. he plays a seventeen-year-old right. high school. But you kid. don't miss a beat. That's the crazy. no, no. Yeah, no he tracks it pretty well. He tracks it yeah. pretty well. But even yeah. like like his interest in sex starts when he is literally a baby. When like she has, like, he has the magazine, like the nudie magazine, and she's trying to like take it away from the baby. <laughs> and it's like right. this is from from way early on in Garf's uh, Garf's mind. Is uh, right this physical connection, and then he does the whole thing where. uh he's you know playing doctor with the young girl in, in the in the back in the, and uh when he was uh, like a, a little kid this is not when he's robin williams but when he's supposed to be like 10 this is only 12. when he's 35 it's okay it's fine <laughs> when, when he's 10 or 12 he's playing doctor with this with this girl and uh and then uh there's a specific girl who shows up and becomes an important part of his life who keeps spying on him resentful of his him being sexual and her name is Pooh, and Poo, she's like Winnie the Pooh, right? like Winnie the Pooh, right? And so she's constantly spying on him and, uh, you know, judging him uh, for that. Yeah, that was uh, a consistent character, and that was really yeah. Good. And it, and she's played. You recognize her by her glasses. She always has those same weird glasses right. on, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. So anyway. So he's he 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 uh, gets interested in wrestling. Uh, and uh, decides he wants to be, kind of do some wrestling, uh, and then uh, falls in love with the wrestling coach's daughter. Uh, and she was great too. Oh yeah, she, she was nominated. She, she was nominated. Yeah, she really. Yeah. So Mary Beth Hurt was the uh, the actress. Yeah, uh, very very good. She's really good, really good. And the thing is, you could sense that you could sense the bond between these two characters, even when they, they, they fail. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so it was very interesting. Like I would say uh, the, the, this is also one of my favorite marriage movies also. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the same time around like ordinary people. Mm -hmm. There was like a, a real slew of films that really hit. Well, it's an it interesting was Kramer thing. versus Kramer. 79. Same thing. Yeah. 79. But yeah, it's the same type. It's ordinary people was 80. And yeah. uh and uh yeah, like it, it it yeah, because like I think that what's the 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 thing that's coming to fruition in all of these movies is essentially there's the old traditional way that things are done, marriage, etc., versus the way the world has changed and how things are disrupted. Um and uh and the and the and the like having this sort of new wave in you know like uh as as it's tracked in garp like like sexual freedom uh uh the that came you know like uh, was espoused in the 60s is obviously good and excellent but it doesn't come without uh lots of conflict <laughs> like because the world changes and then people struggle and don't know how to react to this stuff 
yeah. and uh and that's the like irving deals with that all you know like it's also in owen meany and stuff like that but like garp really tracks this very well and i love that he shows it from a confused point of view with garp because garp just wants love <laughs> like that's just what he wants and he yeah. and he and he finds it so difficult to get right right anyway yeah, i okay go keep going uh, no, i i understand about the love but i i also sense from his character that even if he got it he probably wouldn't grab a hold of it as yeah. strong because yeah, he, he just he right. wouldn't know what to do with he it. would know that's a better way to say it yeah, yeah. right that's the best way to say it he doesn't know what to he do with it. He doesn't know what to do with it. He doesn't know how to handle it. He has right. a fantasy in his head, and even if he was given that fantasy, he wouldn't know how to deal with it. It's like meeting his father and the the planes flying. And... Right. Well, the, right. yeah, like all this, because like he is the opposite of his mother, right? Because his mother like has no sexual interest whatsoever in anything. Um, but she's sort of like intellectual and sort of watches how people operate and is very interested. And she's very compassionate, distantly compassionate. Um, whereas Garp is like in it and feeling it all the time. Yeah, and he's emotional. He's one hundred percent emotional and one hundred percent sexual, and mm -hmm. he doesn't understand. He doesn't. Ha he has no ability to intellectualize it at all. So he's simply he, confused constantly. Well, he always act, he always acts on impulse as opposed yeah. to rational, right? Because right. that's the thing, right? right? Like, like the mother who's like, hmm, fascinating, you know? Like, oh, so this is a prostitute, and you you're interested in having sex with her. You find her yes, sexually I... attractive? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So you would like, See, to, you okay, well, here, I'm going to pay you. He's like, don't pay her. And he's like, why? She can do whatever she wants with her body. <laughs> that was <laughs> exactly. a great, that but was it, a great line. But <laughs> yeah, and this is like, this gets into, yeah, like that, we can talk more about that later. But that's one of those sort of like, that's a little iconic moment for me as well. So like, that is like, that is really what should be said to, from my point of view. Like, right. like you don't want to demonize, like demonizing sex is, bad for you <laughs> like it is a bad thing to do right and uh and uh making people who like making sex workers um morally flawed in your view is a mistake like right. they're they're people you know and sex is normal and what's but we were living in it and we continue to live in a society in which it's hard for people to reckon with that like they need right. it to mean something different than what it means right but Robin Williams doesn't know what to do when his mother offers to buy him a prostitute, right? He like, it's like, I don't, it doesn't work. But he, like you said, he always acts on impulse, right? So the next trend, you know, he gets married and has, they have two kids, two boys. Well, he uh, marries the wrestling coach's daughter. Right. And uh, he takes the babysitter home and finds out she's 18 years old. And she says, I really loved your book. Oh, he's a writer as well as well right mm -hmm. by the way the song that's playing in the car yeah still got a long way to go <laughs> love it to death <laughs> alice right. cooper that's right that's right wow nice oh right because band. she she changes the music the, that's a thing he's in the car waiting for her to that was a great scene he's sitting in a car listening to some old 1950s like frank sinatra or something like that no, it's not ken cole not ken cole that's what it was not ken cole and he's listening to that King Cole, and then she gets in the car and changes the radio to Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. And that's Which, like the flavor love change. Love It to Death is a genius album. Yeah. If anybody wants to listen to great 
man, that's that's perfect American rock and roll band. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was really great. It was really great. So he's driving her home. She says she she says, I really loved your book. You can tell that she's flirting with him. She asks how old she is. She says, I'm 18. And he goes, Isn't there a sweeter things the sexiest words in the world is 18 or something like that mm-hmm. and that's just a creepy ass thing to say mm-hmm. but she is totally in with it and he says are you sure you're 18 she goes oh yeah and they pull over on the side of the road now that's just that's just exactly that that's the problem right that's his impulse yes right right, right. this 18 year old girl clearly is making moves to have to saying that she wants to have sex with him because she is enamored by his celebrity status or likes his book. Right. And he just goes for it. Can't stop Joe Piscopo. It's called the Joe Piscopo movie. <laughs> that's yeah. the old Piscopo right there. The old Piscopo, because that's what Piscopo did. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. He ended up marrying the babysitter. Yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. Right. Rough, rough choices. <laughs> rough choices. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that didn't, that did not, uh, anyway, so he goes back home. Wife suspicious. Did she find out? I forgot if she found out or not specifically. He or she well, just. I think suspected. she had an inkling, but then her turmoil in her life kind of came to boil, and all of a sudden everything turned on her. Right. Right. So she's a, a teacher in the school. She teaches, and uh, she has a similar situation where there's a young stud in the class who's sort of, you know. Uh, leaves her a note saying the reason I took this class is because I want to be close to you. Mm-hmm. And she's anyway. That's she, why I did this podcast. I just wanted to be closer to That's what it is, man. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. working with the Zoom thing, but you know, we can no, no, no. no way. Yeah. Damn it. All the plans. Um and then she this, you know, the 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 sort of pinnacle scene of what happens is uh she drives the guy home mm-hmm. uh, to her house, I guess. And no. she, wait, no, yeah, they're in, they're in, they're in, in the driveway. driveway. Right. In the driveway. Yeah, but he comes to see her. Right. He comes to see her. Wine. Right, right, right. Right. With and a bottle says, of wine. Need, yeah. She said, it's over. And he's like, please, I don't want it to be over. I'm coming over now. So he goes over there and confronts her while he, uh, Robin Williams is in the movies the movie theater with, with his, his kid. kids. Yep. Right. So they're sitting in the driveway, and he's like, as a typical male, he's like, one last time, please, right, right. one last please, time. Please, baby, one last time, sure. Just, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. and so she's like, okay, and while they're doing it. Well, no, he, she's, giving, she's giving him a, a blowjob more specifically, which is an important part of the reason. And then Robin Williams does the thing, which we saw previously, where he turns off the lights and the engine of the car, and coast down because it feels like they're flying down this hill. Right. Right. Uh, but when you do that and you don't have the lights on, you can't really see. <laughs> to, to quote Albert Brooks in the Twilight Zone movie, there could be nuns in the road. <laughs> right. Uh, dangerous. And so he's doing that with his two kids in the car, in the back of the car, and he flies into the driveway. And because there's another car in the driveway, which he didn't realize, he smacks into that car at full speed uh, and big accident. And it freeze frames to imply that boy. something really yeah. bad happened. The right. boy's in the back and that's it. So what we learn is one boy died mm-hmm. 
The other boy lost an eye. Robin Williams broke his jaw and his jaws sewn shut. Mm -hmm. And she has a pretty bad injury too. And I'm pretty sure the other guy might have lost his penis. <laughs> yes, she bit, bit that off. Bit that off. Yes. Right. So pretty bad situation overall. And on top of that, besides having lost their son, this happened during a moment where she was in, uh, 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 in um, a moment of infidelity, mm -hmm. uh, unfaithful to, to her husband. So it's pretty... That's a that's a lot of stuff to swallow. Yes, <laughs> no, and, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, and it puts Robin Williams in the same position as the uh, Ellen Jamesians, who have his mother has been taken care of. Oh, like, we should put. Wait, actually, yes. can you tell, put a little? What, what's happened to the mother? So, the mother the, wrote the a very very yes. successful book, right? right? So, uh, the mother writes a book called Se "Sexual Suspect," right, um, which becomes the foundation for a uh, a women's movement. Uh, in the United States, it's all fictional, but like the, right. that, uh, you know, like she has this, she writes this um, uh, extremely well-received, um, uh, her interpretation of what it, what's wrong with sexual politics in America, and it hits a nerve for people, they become followers of, uh, of her point of view, and, uh, and her point of view is, you know, is pretty legitimate, like it's, it's very straightforward and very caring. And what she's pointing out is very real. And so she sets up a home um, to care for people who have been victimized uh, mm -hmm. at very, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, and, <clears throat> and she, you know, she cares, cares for these people. And uh, there's a it's whole. It's on Fisher's Island, very clearly. Matt Fisher's yeah. Island. And, uh, and it's here that we meet um, uh, uh, John Lithgow's character. Uh, who is a uh, a trans woman um, uh, who used to be a football linebacker, right? Right. Uh, and uh, and uh, and he like Glithko's performance in this is is tremendous to me. Like it's, especially yeah. especially for the time, it's because it's so futuristic. Un, it's not there's no or there's no gag here. Like yeah. he is like like he is playing, and a he was woman. a football player, wasn't he? I think that's true. Yeah. And like, so he's not, he's not, he's not trying to make a joke out of this. There's no joke made of it. Like there's, it's just like, and whereas you look at any other film at this time period, like this would be played for big laughs, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but instead, uh, Hill and, uh, and Lithgow are just like, this is a real person. She is absolutely has an emotional, a real emotional base. And we're going to take it from there. She has her own flaws. She has, you know, her own richness and we're going to, we're going to, uh, make her a part of this family of the movie and uh and because of that like that sort of opens up garp's experience tremendously you know they become very close they become extremely close friends right and uh and uh and at the same time there are these people that are staying being cared for at the at his mom's facility that are called the ellen jamesians and the ellen jamesians garp finds out uh and reacts extremely badly to uh, are women who have, uh, who have, were so moved and horrified by the rape of this young girl named Ellen James, uh, when she was nine years old, um, when the girl, she was raped and, uh, the, the rapists cut her tongue out, uh, so they couldn't describe, uh, so she couldn't describe who they were, where they lived or what happened. Right. And so the Ellen Jamesians in support of this woman, uh, as she grew up, like have, 
had their own tongues removed physically. Uh, and, uh, and they have an extraordinarily negative view of, of men, of men, masculinity. And when Garp first, you know, like someone gets, you know, an accident happens at the house, Garp runs over to help this woman up and she loses her mind. Like, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me. Right. Uh, and, uh, and this other woman comes out and is about to beat the living shit out of Garp. Just like no, there's no context at all. I, there's a man here and I'm going to rip him apart. And, right. um, and uh, Barbara Lithgow's character uh, intercedes and calms everything down. Roberta. Roberta. And um, uh, yeah, Roberta, sorry. And the, and so uh, everything gets calmed down. But when this is explained to Garp what's happened, he's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's, it's, it is an extremism, right? He's extremism, reacting to right. the extremism. And that's is a, it's a good example of like taking something like his mother who mm -hmm. takes femininity and inclusivity and deals with it in a very rational way. And these right. people are not rational. Yeah. And the thing is like, this, this is what's sort of beautiful here is that she is very like, I'm sure like, I'm sure she feels that way about them too, but is not angry about it. She looks at it as like, I got to care for these folks. Like this right. is like, she's, she's yeah, she's a nurse. She's like this, these people have been so deeply hurt in their lives. Their anger is completely understandable. And so I'm going to provide a place where we can try to help that heal. And that's, her point of view like her only flaw really is her sort of spock-like distance from the events you know and like that's the because she can't get emotionally tangled up in stuff like it's impossible for garp to get there like so garp has these very immediate reactions to like these you know the the extremists of the ellen jansians uh, you know like horrifies him you know, and uh, and and he responds with pure anger at them. Like they, like he immediately starts fighting with this woman. You know, who's like writing, scribbling angry notes down and stuffing them in his face. And he's just like, "Well, you and basically a big fuck you fight happening." And you're right. like, "None of this should be happening at all." <laughs> like, like right. everyone here is in pain. We should try and find a way to calm this down and heal. Uh, but Garp is totally incapable of doing that. So that is the background story. His mom has become a an icon. And she's a she's a savior in a lot of ways. Yes, she's, she's right. seen as the savior in some ways. And so um, she she's like this. She's an intellectual mother figure and to he's jealous. all of, right. And he's thank you. He is jealous. And uh, and also this creates just to set the ending of the film. This creates uh, equal hatred in sexist men who hate that they're their everyday casual sexism is no longer accepted and they right. wish to kill her. Right. Hold on. Okay. So we've set that up a second. I want to take another quick break because I'm going to uh, get myself uh, uh, another drink. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be right back. So we'll take a two minute break and you guys can chit chat uh, while that's happening. Right. Remember, guys, remember the discord is in our chat. If you guys would like to join our discord, we would love to have you there and remember to subscribe. And if you subscribe, you won't see an ad. You can hear Eric and uh, Dan talking about, chairs. about, <laughs> about chairs. I'm right. going to have a podcast where I'm just moving chairs. Oh, man. All right. like an ASMR right kind of thing. Oh, my God. Great. And then people can win prizes if they can guess what, what kind of chair, chair it is. Yeah. Is, is, is that, that an Eames chair? I was going to make the Eames joke. Just... Yes. Thank God. <laughs> Eames jokes in stereo and martini giant. That's a very. That's hey, there very you go. But I mean, coming at you. That's pretty good. Um. Yes, that's. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do. Uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off my video so no one has to see me take a bite of this chicken sandwich in case it goes wrong. But I'm still here. Yeah, that that movie. Like I, I'm I'm glad that that movie means as much to you as it means to me. That's a really uh, it's a, beautiful. It's really beautiful. And you can watch it over. I'm gonna probably watch it again before the weekend ends. But it's um yeah, it's really really a special film, and I totally. You know, I just always lived by my impression of it as a younger man. Same. And uh, all of a sudden I was like, what was I thinking? God. Yeah, it's really wild. And, and like the thing is, I mean, Hotel New Hampshire has all of these same, I would love to read the book because like it has all these same elements at play. It just doesn't know what to do with them. Like there's so much you yeah, can do with it, that, that setup. And you just don't do it. It drifts. It just drifts, and it's a shame because there is some cool parts to it. And um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I guess it's the time. I don't know. I mean, maybe just. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't know why uh, it was such. It was kind of sloppy the way it was, but mm -hmm. it's, did we lose um, Dan again? No. What's happening? I'm just eating a chicken sandwich, and I didn't want people to have to see it. Oh. But you're still talking. Still talking. Well, well, you, okay. You're eating a chicken sandwich. Still talking. Well, Spicy chicken sandwich. It's delicious. All right. We'll be back in about 10 seconds here. <clears throat> That's what you get if you're I a went, subscriber is to you hear me eat a chicken sandwich. Yeah. That's right. That's worth it right there. Uh, all right. So we're back. We're back. We're back. Where do we leave off? So Garp, it, Garp just uh, had a is recovering from an accident and trauma. Uh, his wife, um, he lost a son and, uh, uh, he's, they're all kind of, they were all staying at, in Fisher's Island with his mother at this point. They're mm -hmm. all kind of staying there. Right. Yeah. Which that has a lot of similar feelings. What a too. dumpy house too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, the, I, so I went to Fisher's Island once when I was younger yeah. and, and we had a, a friend of ours who had a house seriously just like that. Like that, yeah. Um, Fisher's I Island. had a friend from mm -hmm. uh, high school, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Going and I, I remember, I remember I was young at the time, right? And because it was Fisher's Island and and uh, there's there a, a lot of uh, fishing for uh, striped bass and my dad went fishing and I really wanted to go, but, you know, the waves there are a little bit dangerous and so they didn't want me to go with him and I was very pissed off that I couldn't go fishing because I think I was probably like eight maybe maybe seven oh, yeah yeah you don't men I, no. I, don't, I don't know if, yeah don't there's nothing more terrifying than seeing your kid get caught by a rip or riptide a riptide <laughs> holy shit like yeah that's pan panic inducing like, like I've never seen yeah. nothing, like nothing dangerous seems to be happening except some crazy inevitability has engaged you. Right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, anyway, but it was that house. I looked at the house. Like, that looks almost exactly like the house that I was staying at. And I have vivid memories of of being there when it was a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, so they're all living in this in this kind of crazy house. And... A Hotel New Hampshire-like setup, actually. A Hotel New Hampshire-like <laughs> setup. And, like, yeah, it's very much uh, like that. And they're obviously – her. she's got this big neck brace on from the accident. His 
jaw is wired shut and he's writing notes like an Ellen Jamesian, which is also very interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So we put that into context before, like the, he's he's become an Ellen Jamesian in this situation. And he's equally filled with rage. And yes. equally filled with rage. So there, it's such brilliant writing. I'm sorry. It's just really mm -hmm. good. Um, but he has to get over that. And they they sort of do a good job of of basically them slowly getting better, like accepting it. And it's through, uh, you know, help of, of Glenn Close who helps him through it, et cetera. And then he finally recovers and he's able to talk. Uh, and he goes, the first thing he does is he goes to see his wife and she says, can, or the stitches out and he shakes his head. Can you talk? And he shakes his head. Uh, yes. And the first thing, the first words that he says are, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. which is yeah. just that, that scene of the two of them, it's at, both begging for each other's forgiveness. That's incredible. It's such great. I mean, I have tears in my eyes right now, just thinking about yep. it. It was really beautiful. It's it was really beautiful. such a great scene. And um, really, and like, like many of my favorite movies, this, this movie has a lot to do with um, how difficult it is to forgive people and yeah. why and how necessary it is to be able to do that. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Um, I thought <laughs> since we were taught watching hackers the other day and Penn was on, uh, let's just somehow loosely put that thing together. Hackers uh, <laughs> and Pendulette had a really good. Pendulette is a very outspoken atheist. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah, right, uh, right. And he he um he has a podcast called Pen Sunday School, which is uh, quite entertaining. But he had a little point that he was making about uh when uh about atheism. You know, it's like in Christianity or. All you need to do is ask God for forgiveness, a fictional character that <laughs> doesn't give you a response to be forgiven for whatever transgressions you have done. And yeah, it's a free pass. It, it's a free pass, right? right? And so I've asked God for forgiveness and therefore he forgave me or the priest told me he forgave me or whatever it is, right? right. And so, but in reality, if you've done something wrong, you have to ask someone a real person specific for forgiveness <laughs> and that person may not give it to you yeah you right. have to redeem yourself right in more than just say well i'm sorry right. you know well and and therefore like, it's much harder to do that well, and, this, well, forg and forgiveness yeah. is it's profoundly complex and incredibly difficult because that person like if you are the wronged one the chances are the person who hurt you is never going to ask and you still have to find a way to do it if you're going to live your life like it's incredibly difficult like this is like like you have to be able to now this is, i've talked about that movie uh one of the most profound things i've ever seen this documentary called the tower it's about this uh uh the school the uh, uh texas shootings that from the from the tower yes right in austin and and uh this this woman was walking with her uh husband you know like they're young they're in like early 20s uh she is pregnant Husband is killed and she is shot through the stomach, loses the baby, right? She's lying there for hours as this is going on, waiting to die. Um, and she is saved by some extremely brave people. 
the movie is animated. Uh, so even though you're getting interviews with the actual people who are really there, um, the situation when they do the flashbacks, like it's all recreated um, and it's all animated. And then they go to the inter interviews and the interviews are also animated and they're with the real people, but they're with the real people as their younger selves that you've saw in the recreation. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when it comes to the end of the movie, like it's, it's actually hard for me to talk about this without getting choked up. So mm -hmm. forgive me if I do, um, that, uh, the filmmakers ask like, so how do you feel about the, the, the shooter now, the killer now, you know, like that he took so much away from you. Like, uh, can you ever, could you ever forgive him for what he did to you? Uh, and it cuts to the goes from animation to live action of the person. Mm. And uh, she says, I already forgave him. Of course I forgive him. Like it's mm. all that's, I, I couldn't have gone on with my life if I didn't do that. You know, like huh. it would have, it would have consumed me uh, if I hadn't forgiven him. Like I, I don't wish anything terrible for him. I don't, it's not a part of my life at all anymore. And, uh, and it's the letting go aspect uh, of that, of the hatred within you towards the person that caused the event. Like mm -hmm. that's the deepest and most important part of forgiveness. And the thing is like, you were never like for most people, like with her, like that dude never came to her and said, listen, I'm really sorry for. He died, right? Yeah, he died. And so they, they do like, she could never have that experience and she has to be able to find a way out of it. And so that's the hardest part of it is to find that in yourself. And sometimes it's impossible, you know, but that's what, that's what you need to try to do. And that's what Garp really reckons with is like having this insurmountable boiling rage within you because you have been wronged. Right. Uh, and you have nowhere to put it. Uh, what do you do with it? Because like rage gets you nothing. It eats you up. It eats you alive. Right. And, uh, and so with the Ellen Jamesians, their rage is eating them alive with Garp. His rage is eating him alive. Uh, and until um, he goes through the incredibly difficult process of asking for forgiveness and forgiving his wife, um, he can't, he can't move on at all. Right. It's very moving. It's a very, very moving scene. Did you understand his rage completely? I I understand his rage as I under, like I have felt rage, you know. I've not been in the situation he's been in, but I've like I felt I know what rage is, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's like that that level of empathy because like this is like for me it's like like the difference between sympathy and empathy is that empathy doesn't require you also have experienced the same thing to understand what the feeling is. Do you think? Do you think he had all that rage against her because? he also cheated on her absolutely right sure. yeah you know what i mean he hate because he's fucking hate, he, he hates hate himself, himself yeah. more than her for yeah. doing that he like he hates himself he hates like he's angry at his mother for not being more loving like she's a very yeah. kind good woman but she's right. just as it's incapable for she's incapable of being demonstrative yeah, well, and, he didn't have a the father figure too. He doesn't he he doesn't have a father figure in his life, and like his mom is very, is very is is caring but distant, 
and like the buildup of that no mm. wonder why he's obsessed with you know like he's holding a fucking nudie book full of boobs <laughs> like this is you know this is the thing that's been gone from his life and she uh, never put a boob in his mouth, probably. Yeah, because <laughs> this, you know, it's like yeah. these are very root level things that yeah. you know, happen in people's brains, and uh, and you don't understand why you feel these ways. You know, like most people don't ever look at it, and so the uh, you know you don't know where that rage comes from, or why, or for most, for many men, like this just turns into like you know, like they act out at women. They're just like you're the one who's causing me pain because you won't fuck me. Like it's your fault. You know, that's where that shit comes from. And it's like, it's actually inside you, dude. <laughs> this is your problem. Well, wasn't, wasn't there, wasn't there a, you know, speaking of extreme sexism and all that stuff, there's a group of guys that were trying to kill a bunch of women up in yeah. Ohio or whatever. Yeah, and they call themselves like, like forcefully celibate because no one would have sex with them or oh, something. Oh yeah, in, in cells is the, like, yeah. in, like invo in, involuntary, in, invol uh, celibate. involuntary celibates. Like right. these, like, these dudes like it's a really now like like this this kind of bullshit makes me mad so like it like it's the kind of thing where i'm like because a lot of these guys uh turn into these sort of bullshit intellectuals and they have these very complex you know wordy reasonings for why they act the way that they act and what it really comes down to is that they're afraid and they can't say that and they're afraid they they can't get over themselves. They hate themselves so deeply, but they can't live with that. So they just project it onto women, which makes their situation worse and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so you have the satisfaction of your own hatred is constantly justified by rejection. So you create a situation in which you're rejected and then you can sit there and feel sorry for yourself and make things worse and be less and less of a human being. And, uh, and you know, like people get, get, into this fucking loop they will often turn violent you know like apart from being sexist they'll also turn violent and it's very difficult like that like Gar garp's mom jenny would look at that and say that's very interesting and very sad and she would show empathy for it and she would try to heal people like that and for me right. i'm just like that is what i would love to be able to do I'm, to be able to be like Jenny, <laughs> I would love to be able to. I would love to be able to rem, like to overcome my own disgust and anger at people who create that problem within themselves because they can't overcome their own fears. Right. And mm. the the way that I should be able to find empathy for it is to admit that there are many fears in my life that I can that I have yet to overcome, so I know what that fear is. Um, but still at the same point, I look at these guys and I'm just like, you fucking morons. Who are these, who, by the way, who's this group that you're talking about that Chris is involved with? What is it? No, it's no, a charter no. member, but yeah. Okay. They're called, <laughs> what is the group? They call it's themselves a, incels. I think that's what never, it's called, right? Never mm -hmm. even heard of that. That's uh, it's, crazy. Yeah. Involuntary celibate. Basically. Oh Imagine a bunch of people that are basically pissed off because women won't have sex with them. Yeah. Uh, they came up a lot during the Joker. Right? And and also there was there was a group of them that were like planning this major attack on some women in some college or whatever, like like seriously trying to Yeah, it's yeah. you know it's incredibly it's heartbreakingly pathetic. Yeah. It's heartbreakingly pathetic. Right. Um 
Okay. So, uh, where were we? So the, the moment of forgiveness, which is a, uh, such a beautiful, this, the, the, the thing about this movie is that it goes through these, it, it, it definitely, uh, Hotel New Hampshire has these like vignette scenes, mm -hmm. but there's no, uh, thread. Yeah. Yes. yes. Exactly. There's no thread except exactly. for, as you said, now it's Halloween. Now it's Christmas, right? Yeah. This one has a thread yep. that is very, very strong and yep. very consistent. Like the, th the I, thematic uh, uh, architecture of this movie is insanely strong and profound. The other thing that's so shocking to me is how good this is. It's like this feels like a mini series. It's so, yeah. but the whole story is told. And he holds the whole thing together. Whatever yeah. holes there are, he's yeah, he's extraordinary glue. Yep, Robin Williams, really he, good. Pardon really, me, really, really good. And. I, I've said this many times. I don't know why. Like I, I keep talking about how I want to rewatch the Fisher King, but especially because of uh, like the Amanda Plummer. But I was like, I really want to see if it still holds up because now, like somehow, now more than ever, this film is the uh, Fisher King has a romanticized view, and I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters, literally. Um, but I have this romantic view of it in my mind, and now especially with Robin Williams and Amanda uh, Plummer and all that stuff. I'm like, I just really kind of want to see this film. Yeah, I wonder what that's like. Yeah. I'm scared it's going to be, it's not going to hold up or whatever. I bet but, they're going to be great. I bet Bridges is going to be great and I bet they're going to be great. Like, yeah, because it's, up the it's Jeff Bridges, isn't it, right? It's yeah. Jeff Bridges. Is, yeah. 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 And who's the woman in it? Mercedes Rules. Mercedes, Mercedes Rules. Rules. There you go. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but Robin Williams is, you know, he was doing some great films. He did a couple where he was getting way too sappy. A couple things like Patch yep. Adams. He played and, yeah. Patch Adams. Right. Which, is, which isn't as, quite as bad a movie as I expected it to be, but it's still in the ballpark of the sort of TV sob oh, story stuff. Yeah. What's funny. the one where he plays He's the good. guy who's paralyzed? Awakening? That, oh, that's uh, De Niro's Paralyzed and he's the doctor. Right. Which right. one was yeah. that one? That's Awakenings. Yeah, it's very good. That's <laughs> a great, great book film. too. Read the Oliver Sacks book. Oh, good. that is. That's right. Yeah. I like that film. I yeah. saw that. It's very, very good. That's very yeah, good. Yeah, very tender movie. And yeah, like he's like Williams was such a like I think, you know, I feel it's so sad. His ending is so sad. Um, and I know that he was uh, very sick. Um, uh, but it's like th that dude is like for all of the troubles that he faced and addiction and whatnot, like it's like the great comedians, like the root of great comedy, right. And doing great standup is being able to read the room, right. That's the skill. Like is being able to see where everybody in the audience is at, how, what they're reacting to modulate your performance or bring up certain parts of the story and bring other parts down. Like what that really is and why he is, was so great is because that's empathy. Like he is able to feel what people are feeling, look out and see like, is this connecting? Right. And yeah. I think that that's what he really brought to the table as an actor. Like he is like, he is 100% there, not just to nail the character, but to be there for the audience as a channel for them. And it's uh, really, really rare. The thing that was interesting about sort of watching that Johnny Carson uh, with him again was was he was doing the robin williams super hyper craziness right where it, it feels like it's the robin williams show of like blah, blah 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 look at this craziness right it's all about him but what was fascinating is that it wasn't 
like what was weird about it is that he whatever johnny carson was saying he would riff on that and keep going right um uh, did we lose mm -hmm. eric and, no i'm still here you guys yeah, still turn your videos off that's funny i'm that's eating funny. Uh, <laughs> we're trying although I, they're I all eating instead of okay well I, I appreciate you guys eating soft foods and not like crunchy rolls <laughs> I have a bowl of uh, walnuts here anyway so the so just he he kept like he would talk about the supreme court and then he would go on a thing about the supreme court exactly on topic every single little question that johnny carson asked him right. he would listen and be part of the conversation right even though it felt like he was just doing his comedy at the same time yeah it was incredible yeah, yeah he's, incredible. Taking, he's taking the lead from somebody else and thinking about it and then and saying yes and right? yes and he was yeah. yes ending everything yes is yeah. exactly what he came doing. up to nancy and i once at a cafe on la brea with chashu and he was making jokes about chashu <laughs> nancy so was pregnant and right. her breasts were very large and He's like, ah, you know, he's looking at them and you guys are going to be fighting over those and all these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. It was very yeah, funny. Yeah. He just came out of nowhere. That's amazing. That's amazing. God bless you. God bless you, Williams. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Insane. There was, it, there was really funny. Jonathan Winters was on that episode, too. And the two of them, they, John, you can tell the mutual adoration and respect that Winters and, and uh, Winters oh, yeah. and, and Williams has for each other. But there was a thing that Jonathan Winters was doing, which is the most unbelievable, subtle, and funniest comedy I've ever seen. He was doing a bit where he was talking about the different facial expressions that different animals have when they're horny. <laughs> and it was just like, here's what a cat looks like when they're horny, or a dog looks and like. And he just had that look on his face where you just, oh, shit, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> and it was really right. funny. It was right. so subtle, so subtle. No, that dude uh, was amazing. Amazing. Oh, he was, was a amazing. crazy person, Winters. Yeah, he had he had actual real challenges. Yeah, yeah he was. He had, yeah, yeah, some actual uh, deep therapy issues that he was working through. Uh, right. Was he really? Yeah, he really was. Yeah. Had, yeah, had, he had. He, real he literally was. Yeah, had had psychological yeah. problems. But yeah. comedy was uh, how you. He was also a very interesting painter. I, had a I book was about to paintings. say that yeah. he was a painter. Yeah. 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 That I knew. No, half on his books. Uh, interesting. But guy. he was married, and and his wife yeah, loved him yeah, very much. Functional, yeah, absolutely. And knew how, knew how to manage what was going on for him. Yeah, you know, took took uh, took care of himself. I think it's yeah. the right thing to do. But yeah, it's no surprise that him and Williams clicked so well. Well, the right. two of them were were both on Mork and Mindy. Yes, that's right. And that's uh, and that's where they connected and got to each other. But apparently, Winters was talking about how many different substances <laughs> the, mm -hmm. uh, Williams was on during the show. Right. So yeah, so he was on a lot of yeah. amphetamines. Quite clearly. <laughs> Quite clearly. Uppers, lots of uppers, lots and lots and lots of uppers. Yeah, well, that was the time period, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every, it's, it's certainly it was, it was quite common. Yeah, for sure. Not Still yeah. not good for you, but yeah, nope. that's what was happening. <clears throat> But yes, okay, so, 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 so that moment of forgiveness happens. She says during that moment of forgiveness, she, they both missed their son who died in the accident. And that she says, I want to have a kid again right now. Mm -hmm. And he says, yes. And they agreed to have a kid. So they, they're, they're totally 
they're back as a family and their love for each other is uh, their love for each other is actually stronger than ever at that moment right mm -hmm. they've both gone through that thing and that becomes the moment and that's when things that was what was interesting because then she he he gives her to forgive they forgive each other their love is so strong and that's when shit goes really wrong in their lives mm -hmm. it's not thing the things that are less in their control make it even worse so yep. that's what was so sad about it like it's not well this is truly a a, a tragedy if you mm -hmm. think about it in the classic sense right because he is the tragic hero in so many ways mm -hmm. uh you know all the people around him that are that are happening and all the things that are, have gone on uh so it's really quite quite sad but uh basically what happens at this point are several several outcomes the first thing that happens is that the the his uh glenn close jenny his mother uh decides she can do more for society mm -hmm. and she is getting involved in politics mm -hmm. and decides to go on a campaign trail to support a a, gov a new governor or someone who's running for governor a woman running for governor mm -hmm. and uh roberta <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, John Lithgow is her bodyguard mm -hmm. and tries to protect her. I love the way he's just scanning the room. Yeah. There's like some of the best scenes where he's just like scanning. Like, yep. Yeah. It was really, it's funny stuff. I, I love Lithgow anyway. This is one of the top, top three roles for him. And he is, he is unbelievably good in this role. He's very, yeah. This is one of obviously his, his, his best. Did, when did Kiss of a Spider Woman come out? I'm wondering. It was 84, 86. It's, so it's, it's, this is all around the same time, right? Yep. So but he did he did dress to kill, right? Did John uh, Lithgow do dress to no, Lithgow is in um is in raising the Kane. one with Travolta. Yeah, is in uh, yeah, blow up, blow out rather, blow out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's great in that. Great, great, great bad guy in that. Movie. Um, but yeah, he's he's just terrific all the time. Plays great bad guys, great good guys, amazing actor. He's, he's hugely tall, mm -hmm. and I'm I uh, I didn't get to shake hands with him, but I. Uh, saw him be very, very kind to people in real life, and I was like, "That's a good guy." I've I've heard him on a podcast, and he just sounds like one of the the most accepting and friendly person out there. Yeah, it, it seems it seems like a it seems like a very genuine person, right? So, and it doesn't really matter to me either way. I don't know the guy, but I like I, if it's going to be one or the other, I prefer him to people to be nice, and he's nice, so that's nice. Yes. Uh, anyway, so he wasn't uh, in Dress to Kill. No, that's Michael Caine. But he didn't play like. Hold on, hold on. Somebody trying to kill. When was Dress to Kill? When did that <clears> come Dress to Kill was seventy nine, and that's Andrew Dickinson and uh, yeah. uh, Michael Caine is the therapist Hello! slash trans serial killer. So right. it's not a, not a very positive. It's the opposite view of uh, trans experience as offered in Garp. Uh, it's still fairly entertaining, but it's it's trashy. It's it's a Brian De Palma movie. Brian De Palma, yeah, with the famous shower scene at the beginning. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, so we're back. So what happens is she starts to go on a rally. She is adored by uh, women, as we know. Jenny is adored by women, and she is campaigning for this governor. And while she's giving her speech to promote the governor, is shot. Yes, and killed. Mm -hmm. uh by someone uh who obviously does not like her so anyway she dies uh that's the scene i mentioned uh earlier where 
she uh, Robin Williams gets the news where he knows that she's hated by people and she, yep. he's very worried. And when the phone call happens, his heart sinks and he's he just sitting knows outside. It, yeah. He just yeah. knows that yeah. that's the news that's happening. Yeah, he's watching the undertow. He's watching the undertow. Yeah. Got to the undertowed. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, but, and also I want to point out uh, Lithgow's, Lithgow's reaction is also very moving. Like, like right. you know, he is, he is, that he couldn't protect her is he, he gives a such oh, a she couldn't protect her. Well, I was yeah. talking about Lithgow himself. His performance right. is like, yeah. is so on point. Um, mm -hmm. and that Bar that Barbara could not protect her is uh, so hard. Roberta, Roberta. I'm sorry, I keep on saying Barbara. I, I just I just watched Night of the Living Dead, so I have Barbara on my mind. Okay, <laughs> they're coming to get you, Barbara. Roberta. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's brilliant and it's sad and it's painful and um, yeah. So now he has lost his mother, who is a pinnacle thread in this thing, uh, and it's very very sad. Uh, also, the scene with the old dean when mm -hmm. they're coming back from the burial. Yeah. yeah. That's totally the old, out of his mind. That's going to be me. The, well, he's you got- You were in all, a podcast? Uh, <laughs> the, we did a podcast together. Right. Uh, yeah. But it, it, he had, you know, it's clearly that he's got Alzheimer's and, and it was very sad as well. Like everyone's getting older and all, you know, it's just one of those things, right? So it was quite, quite, quite interesting. Anyway, so there you go. So that's uh, so he lost his mother, and now and he also, and we should throw in there, he has he writes a book himself. Oh, right, he writes a book, and it's a uh, a book about the Ellen Jamesians. It is a it is a critical portrayal of their of that of that movement. Right, and his uh, publisher says, "I highly, I do not think you should write this. It's going to be very controversial." And you're going to be hated by a bunch of people because I don't care. You just fucking publish it. And right. so they do. And uh, so that's what happens. So, so when he is at his, like in order to go to his mother's service, right. Uh, which the Ellen Jamesians, because they love Garp's mother, like they want to, they're, they want to have a service for his mother. That is no man at all. Right. And, Garp is like, I want to be there. It's my mother. It's my mother. So uh, Garp dresses up as a woman. With Roberta. With Roberta uh, to go and attend the service. Right. Uh, and this is in a room full of people that, that like hate him for both who and what he is. And right. he has written a book. <laughs> to dismiss them uh, to uh that is harshly right. critical of them and in in all of this who is to show up at this thing but who who always seems to spy on Ooh. him and spots yes. him and yes. she looks at him and sees she outs him she outs yep. him she stands up points at her and starts screaming Clearly, she has also cut her tongue out. Her so tongue she out. is now an Ellen Jamesian. Yes. And says, ARP, 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 because yep. she can't say GARP. Yep. Uh, and uh, he runs out and <coughs> is, uh, there's this young woman played by Amanda, Amanda Plummer. Plummer who helps him and and she's very he's, kind to him. She's very kind to him. And she says, uh, and he he's trying to uh, 
she uh, she can't say anything. And he goes, oh, you're one of them. Oh, she brings out the book called that he wrote called Ellen. Right. right. And she's and she and he goes, oh, you're one of them. It's like, you know, and he just doesn't know what to do. And then she's right. like, no, 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 no. And then she looks at it and she points at the book and then slowly, slowly he starts to get it. She is Ellen James, who has been critical of the Ellen James movement. Yeah, yeah. And she looks at it and says how much she loves the fact that this book came out. This, that, by the way, it's the scene that I was talking about and it's making me cry thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. It's just incredible. It's, just, it's incredible. just an amazing scene because she is thanking him for she the book him. and she helps him yeah. and he wants to talk to her. But she's like, she grabs him, shoves him in a cab, and that's it. That's, the, that's end. the end of it. Yep. Because just, that's... I just need to tell you that, and I need to disappear because that's all she wants. She yes. just wants to disappear. She doesn't want to be part of any conversation. That is such. A, that is such an incredibly moving scene to me. It's hard to mm. talk about it. I know. And and the fact is that that what's brilliant about it is it's played by her. Mm. She's in the whole movie for three minutes mm -hmm. and she's one of the most powerful roles yeah, she's she's the home run in the movie she's the home run 100 because like this is the this like this meant something to me back then and it means <clears throat> i feel like it means even more to me now is that like i think that th all uh generations all ages uh all uh i gender identities uh, all uh, political positions have become quite Ellen Jamesian when we talk to each other, and and uh, and uh, where we need to be is Ellen James, and uh, and we are instead we are Ellen Jamesians, and the Ellen Jamesians are are very ripe to be as angry and hurt as they are, like they have suffered very greatly and they've seen other people suffer very greatly and they're not wrong to be mad but it is their rage that is keeping people from healing and understanding one another but you know what you know what the problem is rage sells yes ads yes yes yeah rage yeah. sells ads and that's what's wrong yep is the media has used yep. their little algorithm. Yep. Yeah. And they say the so more we have rage, the more money we're the going more, to make. The more clicks. Yeah. I know. I know. And now it's and now it's become so we've internalized this so much that we don't even want to identify with characters that struggle. Because we don't want to be the person that struggle struggles. We want to be the person on the other side of the struggle who is righteous and uh, decided. And, right you are. And I don't think there's any way out of that, folks. It's, yeah, there is. It's a, <laughs> it's tricky. It's very. There tricky. is. There it's, is. There, there is. Eventually, there is going to be a collapse. I really strongly believe there's going to be a collapse of Web two, and Web two is not people. Places like Facebook are going to just not going to be. They're not making money anymore. This is the business model right now, and it's and it does it can't sustain itself. Like it's it, ends it, in nothing it's nihilistic facebook is losing customers more and more and more oh yeah more. good i don't have a problem with that I yeah. always right. good facebook. so 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 they're the the specifically where where are the young kids going these days right we have it 
Discord. Discord, yeah. Right? Yep. That's a place Absolutely. where you have people of your own things. And by the way, if you look at most Discord servers, there is a very clear message that almost all of them have is this is not about rage. This is yeah, about, not about community, this right? Is, is, and it's yeah. and it's monitored for rage. Right. Like, like that's like that's the thing that people it isn't for the most part. It's like this isn't about trying to keep people from saying bad things or bad language or anything. That's it's just like this isn't the fucking mud pit where we throw stones at each other and try and claw each other's eyes out. <laughs> like this is or not we, what that's for. Or we bitch about other people. Yeah, or we, right? or we it, get together and fucking yeah and, and team up against some other folks. Or maybe uh, I'm wrong. Maybe those are just the I'm on discords that are. Stuff, I don't know. There's like, a, there might be discords out there that are. It's just a like, little. It's just slightly more. It's not. That's not that. It is not like Facebook. The monetary model is rage. Like yes, that is what they make. Twitter. It is the their business model is anger. Right. That's it. Like Discord is not that. Their, the Discord's model is is connectivity. It's community. Uh, it's yeah. community. They actually don't, they don't make, they make money on community building, which is interesting. Yeah. They, they find a very different financial model that is not centered around ads. I never, like, it was so strange when you really think about like what Web 2 turned into. Web 2 turned into ads, right? Mm -hmm. Like Google is, Your makes a fuckload of money on ads, right? Yeah. Facebook. Your info. Your info. They sell your info. And yeah. You oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Well, ads, what I'm getting at is like, shit. is basically, here's what I'm basically getting at is like, basically, Web 2's model is ads. That's what it turned into. Mm -hmm. And Web 3 is decentralized, where you own your own info and you control your own destiny. At right. least that's the... That's the idea that's, behind it. That's, that's the, the idea. idea. The idea <laughs> behind Web 2 was very altruistic as well. It was very much like... Oh yeah, no, you get to contribute to the World Wide Web. Your content becomes part of you. You're you're you were paid to do that. But what you didn't know is that someone else owned all your content. Right. So that was the, the problem. Anyway, didn't want to get into that. But anyway, because it was about rage, right? Yep. So yep. he wrote the book, Helen uh 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 what's, what's the Helen James uh thanks him sense of in a cab gorgeous scene. Gorgeous scene. This movie is fantastic, actually. Mm -hmm. Honestly, uh, and she's uh, he sends he's sent off and uh, goes back and deals with you know the situation the way it is. Uh, at which point we find out that the wrestling coach retires. Garp now becomes the wrestling coach. Uh, they have a wonderful life. They assume where he <clears throat> just absolutely loves his family. Uh, they have a new babysitter who's a young boy, uh, right, and taking care of the kids. And uh, he is uh, uh, t uh, coaching wrestling, as we sense. And uh, uh, his wife is on the bleachers reading a book, which is called back to when he first met her when she mm -hmm. was sitting on a bleacher reading a book, mm -hmm. which I really love that. I love those great callbacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, and as she's doing that, someone walks in in a nurse's uniform and you think, wait a minute, is that his mother? Because his mother was a nurse's uniform, but all you see is the feet. And then she, he, uh, he looks at her and he says, Pooh. And you realize, oh shit, it's Pooh. And she takes out a gun and shoots him. Yep. And, uh, that's the only way this movie was going or this book or story was going to end. Mm -hmm. We knew that. Yep. So, uh, she shoots him. Uh, they 
try to get him into a helicopter to save him. And uh, and all he ever wanted to do is fly like his dad. So he gets to fly. Gets to fly yeah. like his dad <laughs> yeah. uh, in a helicopter. And uh, it ends with a baby kind of in the sky, which is how the movie started, mm -hmm. uh, playing uh, uh, When I Get Older from uh, the Beatles. Yep. Yep. Uh, and it's a gorgeous ending. And uh, if you're not in tears, by the time you finish watching this movie, right. uh, uh, something might be wrong with you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, like I, I think that like because I it's funny I did you know I, I read a bunch of like I just want to take the temperature on how people view this movie, and there's a uh, most people think of it very fondly, uh, but there's a strong strain of um, uh, John Irving is a sexist, hates women. Uh, this movie is awful, and uh, what the. Yeah, and, uh, like, how, how did how did that come about who are you yeah. talking to and i was just like this is really it's like this is like i it's think it's exactly the opposite it's, yeah, I, it's clearly opposite but i mean like clearly like the, the what is interesting to me is that so is that that is like that's the ellen jamesian event right there it's the i need to protect my rage it's the only thing that makes me strong and so to have a movie come at me and say please have empathy and forgiveness is terrifying to people terrifying right. because you know what the ellen jamesians and the incels are the same fucking same people. fucking problem same problem you know and, and like one this... of them one of the the ellen jamesians kill garp and the mm -hmm. incels kill jenny yeah that's exactly true yeah. that's that is the story right right and so the the like is like this is the like both are so attached to the rage that defines them that they don't even remember why they're angry or that there's another that they want to not to be in pain anymore they only want to make you pay and uh and there's just no there's no yeah there's no way around that there's, there's no there's, there's no nobody end wins in that yeah there's no end to that you know it was it was interesting i remember this exact conversation with uh i, ha I have this this great professor of mine who was very funny uh, in architecture school. His name is Ferris Eldada. Mm -hmm. I think he may still be at Rice, but he was a fascinating person. Uh, Lebanese guy, went to Harvard um, um, architecture, got his PhD in there, and he taught at Rice. And he was very entertaining, and we used to hang out quite a bit. But he was he had this great observation about Americana. He loved to make comments about Americana as, mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a purely, you know, uh, 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 sociological uh, observation, but he used right. to like to do this. He says, in Texas, they seem to confuse justice with revenge. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. 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 It's like, it was like specifically like, yes. yes. Many Americans do, but yes, Texas in particular. They, they, a major they, yes. Of revenge is not a form of justice. No, it's the opposite <laughs> of justice. Right. <laughs> revenge has nothing to do with justice. It just yeah, has it to do with satisfying yeah. your own rage. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Reven and I was revenge. like, oh yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Like, like there, there is no like nothing. Nothing is healed from revenge. Like, in fact, you're left more hollow than before you enacted the revenge, and that's just consistently true. <sighs> And they still go down that path, though. Because it's very that. emotionally satisfying. Nobody seems to learn. It's it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do. Like fuck, man. Like I can't. Like you know. Like 
in any of the same circumstances that would cause someone to flip out and you know like whatever some uh, someone um someone rapes someone someone murders somebody whatever it is like if i were the person who uh, loved the person that that happened to it would be very difficult for me to be like no i, I can forgive that i'd rather want to beat them to death with a rock but like the reason why we have for instance the way the judicial system works and the like you can't have members of the immediate family of uh the person who was murdered on the jury it's because justice is not served this way like revenge is served that way but justice is like you have justice is dispassionate or it's always under threat of not being justice to quote the hateful eight <laughs> like, oh. that is this that is that is the whole thing and like it's like I, I love that this movie in particular says like gives all the like under uh, like absolutely endorses the rage that the ellen jamesians have like so goes, this is 100 percent justified he was very american but the guys in the tree and the, yeah. just all that kind of using the guns to solve yeah. all these problems. Yeah, the exactly. guy racing through the street. Yeah, exactly. The, the plumber. Always oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that guy. Yeah. There's so much going on. Okay. I want to, I want to, here's, we're, 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 we're rounding the corner. We can go long if we need to. First of all, I want your thoughts on this, these two movies as a pairing. Obviously, we talked about the, directing part of it like mm -hmm. one person did a really good job the other person probably didn't do a good job uh but uh but what what do you guys like was it a was it a good pairing was it a good idea to do these things or i think it's great. by I the way in chat let us know in chat what you guys yeah. think as well right yeah what was your thoughts Eric? i i for me it was the americana side i really really captured a <clears throat> social structure Mm -hmm. and a part of life and it did <clears throat> dan you're right it did bring back memories they shot at the millbrook school chris what's that and they shot at the millbrook school the, oh oh the, the school bars. yeah and i went to a uh school like that uh but it was all boys the same type of gymnasium. yeah i went to hackley and well you we and yeah. i talked about this you went to yeah i actually probably played yeah i went to i did sports against you guys <laughs> yeah so I um I was captain of the football team too. Mm -hmm. I was constantly moving around. Um, were you raping Jodie Foster? Yeah, pretty much so. But it was allowed because <laughs> I was a sports hero, and that's the thing. Yeah. If you're that's a right. sports okay. hero, or Matthew Modine, hero, you can get it. Yeah, yeah if you're Matthew you Modine it. or Nazi Matthew Modine, then it's okay. Fine. That's right. Yeah. It's fine. And that's the kind of justice I like. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be a winner. Services me and my rich interests. That's it. Yes. Yeah. That's more of those. Yeah. So you got hey. You got to be a winner, okay, baby? <laughs> That's the only He's a loser. Yeah. Who yep. says that? It's like Trump. He's a loser. He's a loser. It's so like playground. You know, like, it's like, what? Yeah. What did you just say? That's what, loser, <laughs> that's what losers say. So that's the great But it's easy to understand childish behavior. It's harder to understand adult behavior. Yeah. Well, yes, but <laughs> unless I did, you're an adult. To, get, to yeah. be very serious, I did really love seeing Garp again. It's really a deep film. I did too. And it really yep. covers, though, the issues of, of well, I see as the American issues too, because you had this incredible wealth, incredible confusion among people, and the self-righteous. Like I, I like Garp more than Hotel New Hampshire, obviously, mm -hmm. but I still loved kind of the kind of uh, socioeconomic, the life of that, because that's a 
that's that was a real world that existed mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying that kind of families those kind of families on the east coast uh, oh the for east sure coast, yeah. growing up yeah. where i grew up in greenwich it was you know there were families like that and <clears throat> you know to put it in context <clears throat> next to where i grew up on a little small country road there was another family and they were prominent and all the kids they were wonderful kids but they're you know their names were like bob hop and tinkerbell and bear <laughs> right, right. and it was a very Bared. you know east east coast right. kind of thing and everyone was smart but eccentric you know uh, and next door to between us was the people i wrote about in my show you know and it was just kind of like awkward it's strange it's just kind of eccentric right and mm -hmm. but i really grabbed hold of garb because i felt like a lot of those sexual tensions that America holds on to were really exemplified like by Lithgow's character mm -hmm. and the portrayal of sex <clears throat> and all those undertones. And the parents were like, don't mention sperm yeah, in the house. Right. It's like, how many times it's like, that just reminds me of that. It's such a contradiction, America, mm -hmm. you know, you have this wealth, but then you are so closed. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's... and, and it's, and I really, I really love Garp because it does make you upset, but he, I, the beautiful thing about the end is that he accepted death. Yeah. Like, like he's, yeah, and he's beautiful. He's as close to a piece. I'm tired of possibly. fighting. Right. I'm tired of fighting right. Right. and I'm tired of this. And he just lets it happen. Yep. And it was beautiful. And, but I really love both of those because they capture a moment of America and time that, you know, there's well, no time in the past is better, but, it was a, I, I do also think, I, I'm riffing, sorry guys, but I just, there was a violence undertone, a violent undertone on so many different character levels that it's just very American. And that the, in the tree at Bryant Park, New York, where, he, you know, she was shot. Yeah. Um, not, it wasn't Bryant Park. She did a, a rally at Bryant Park, but that kind of guy in the tree, it just reminds me of like, like when Lenin was shot yeah, and for all sure. this, it's like, there's this violent undertone mm -hmm. of rage. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't, everybody has it and there's no way to suppress that. It's yep. just, you're better off like Robin Williams to accept it and just die in the clouds. You know, you're headed towards your father. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the, it's a great point you bring up because like, I think that they're like, America is so, like our foundational idea ideals are so aspirational and so hopeful um, that it, it that's what makes our culture unique in in the world is like we buy into this we buy into this story of greater destiny somewhere you know uh, and like in some ways this is good and in some ways it causes major confrontations internally and externally and contradictions that can't be resolved um because like when you when you have things like you know oh if you just work hard enough then you can be like you know the richest people in america which is not true <laughs> like like at least it's not true enough to say like well actually you're probably just going to work yourself to death like it's interesting yeah i you know? the, the the american dream is 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 it's a dream <laughs> it is a dream. It's not. It's Look, not, it's not I, I also watched. I watched when I was watching this. I re, I asked myself because I love the history of 
like World War One, mm -hmm. and you know we were as a nation against getting in, involved in the war. Sure. Yeah. We were like, it's none of our business. And yeah. I kind of, in a in World a War II as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were. Yes, that but very the point is, the start was World War One, yep. and we were offering supplies, but we we're basically dragged into it. But so many Americans were like, we're isolationists. We don't mm -hmm. need to deal with this. I wonder what we would have become as a country if we actually didn't get involved in World War One, got suckered into it by the British and the French. Well, because I wonder if that movie would be capable of being made because would we be that type of society? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that we would. Be, I mean, like, I'm not I'm an anti-war person myself, but I think that, uh, that to say positive things about America, like I am... I think that America tries to do good. And when we embraced trying to do good in those wars, we set a standard that, you know, that people should look at, I guess, is the way to look at it. Well, like, I'll tell you we this, that, as, as an American who lived in Europe in the 80s, <laughs> it was very frustrating because... The Europeans would constantly complain about Americans getting involved in all these wars. Mm. And then when shit goes down in Bosnia, the first thing they do is, why aren't you helping? Yeah, I know. No. Yeah, so it's, it's bullshit. Well, like, because, like, oh, you don't want us involved in fucking the Middle East. But when Bosnia happens, oh, yeah. shit, that's in my backyard. Why aren't the Americans helping me? Yeah. And like so this... it's like, it's, it's, you know, we're, it's, it's about to fucking happen again in Ukraine. Yeah, right. And I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Like, it's, it, this is all like, <sighs> all this stuff, it's obviously very tangled, very tricky. But, uh, like, I believe that, you know, America, America as a, as a people and as an ideal, we believe in good things and we want to do good in the world. I think that's what we're raised to do. Yeah. I and don't I, think we've ever wanted to be an empire, by the way. I, no, no, we that's what I'm saying. We were isolationists. We <laughs> right, did, exactly it was right, kinda, Eric. This, yeah. Everything was handed to us. And, and then after the First World War, we became enormously wealthy because the British pound was fucked. So then all of a sudden people are borrowing money from us. Right. And sure. all of a sudden, we're owning assets that were formerly yeah. from Europeans. Right. And, and it's almost like <clears throat> we didn't know what to do with it. And then once we realized we're holding all this money after two, World War II, we were given power, which in a way we didn't know how to deal with. Right. You know, And then we do stupid stuff. Yeah, we're going to go to Vietnam as yeah. military advisors. Yeah, that went pretty well. Um, Thanks, France, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> Good times, France. Uh, we love. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, the point is, is that I wonder if we would be a country of this much rage if we played isolationist because well, there's a think, large isolationist no, well, streak well, in America. We listen. Our politicians uh, now. Our politicians but, have made, uh, and this is true for a lot of politicians, not just the United States. And I want to make clear on that. They've made success by fear and rage sure okay right? you're talking about now i'm saying what kind of we did this in the 80s reagan did talking, it in the 80s i'm talking i'm talking about we were a pass we were isolationists in I, 1915 yeah like a, and then absolutely. we got dragged into a war and we were given a, a a crown and an outfit to wear which i don't think we're very comfortable with right. as a people and then subsequent, we make all these stupid choices for the 20th century. Right. But I, I kind of made me realize, like, 
with all that rage and the guy in the tree and, right. and all this stuff that you're watching, the people with such pent up anger, it's like, what if we didn't get involved in these wars? Would we be that caged? And I don't think so. You know, it's an interesting point because I think that like the, I think that the, uh, like, for instance, the way that you think we'd be more like Canada. Yes, actually, we probably yeah. would have been. I think. I think that. that I think that World. <laughs> I'm not War, saying we would be without problems, but we yeah. would certainly. I, I certainly not think that, have especially trees with guns, especially with World War II, um, which, <clears throat> like, I'm a pacifist, um, and I believe that if you, like, war sometimes becomes inevitable, um, but you should never be psyched about it because that means you fucked something up somewhere along the line. And you shouldn't be like, yes, let's go to war. You'd be like, fuck, we have to kill people now. We, we mishandled this so poorly that now we have to kill people. Um, and uh, and so World War II is one of these wars where it's just like, well, we were perfectly happy to let this get out of hand and be a European problem for so long that it turned into something that we had to engage because there was no choice anymore, right? Um, and uh, in order to get on everyone in the country on board with that stuff, we started constructing uh, a very good and evil story, which is appropriate about World War II, uh, but selling it to the people as we are part of a greater thing and we must defeat this evil. And I think that is a, in that case, that's as true as it's ever going to get with Adolf Hitler, right? Um, but, you know, uh, we, but here's the we stuck with this idea of a story about ourselves so thoroughly after that point that it messed us up in very in a lot of ways yes it did but the thing i'm saying is there would have been no hitler if we stayed isolationist well certainly because like, the would, war would have diminished there would never been the versailles treaty the, the, which crippled the german the economy right the treaty and of versailles gave rise is to is that nut job hitler like everything yeah. everything we are dealing with everything that we have dealt with since since the treaty of versailles is connected to the treaty of versailles everything like it's all everything, part of everything, including the Middle East. Like and, and everything, and yeah, like I mean, uh, like the Middle East is a direct result of World War II. That's right. Like uh, uh, Korea, Vietnam is a direct result of World War II. Russia is a direct result of World War II. Like all this stuff, even the like the uh, problems in Central and South America are also connected to World War II. Like all this stuff well, is I, all I tied say together. World War One. Yeah, but well, this well, that's what I'm saying. It's like in all of and World mm -hmm. War II doesn't happen unless without World War One, with without the end of World War One. So the yes. like, title. It was one of the things where. Lily says, like, well, if they didn't assassinate that guy, there wouldn't have been World War One, there wouldn't have been World War Two, there's, we wouldn't have any of the things that happened. There's to, well, there's yeah, there's very there's only a few clutch points not. where you go, like, this was a bad call. Like, there's lots and lots of forces, and these things were definitely going to explode at some point. It didn't have to be Archduke Ferdinand that got shot, it could have been something else that set right. it off, like that kind of thing. Um, like so there's like all the pressure of European history came together to create World War One. That's why it's a giant clusterfuck. So it was going to go off somehow. World War II uh, also is... It's a result of the Versailles like, Treaty. Like, like things, things like the Treaty of Versailles and the lack of forgiveness that it represented... Uh, is vindictive. Is because it was vindictive, it specifically did things to the German economy that, that made the ground very rich for hate Hatred and, and anger... anger and self-righteous egomaniacs who could blame you know people for their problems and if if they had not done that one thing it may have happened in some other way war is very difficult it would well, not have you been can compare it to... let, let me let me just say this let me just say this 
I started this with, what do you guys think about these two movies? And we ended up with the and Treaty of Versailles. Yes. So <laughs> like, I'm like, just going to say this is the most martini giant thing possible. <laughs> of all time. So, that yes. we say like, we can bring it back around yeah, we can bring it back around. Well, it would be an amazing Hail Mary pass. No, we I can bring it back around. With the same frustration and anger that possessed so many people in World War II, you felt that way with the characters of Hotel New Hampshire. And I'm bringing this whole thing right back. Natasha Kinsky represents the the yeah. frustration 100 that's right yeah that's right. the russian yeah. bear the russian bear russian bear that's right oh. that's right there you go oh and, and yes. on top of that her name is natasha kinsky she's russian she's fucking russian yes. right that, yeah that I, is, I, I love the fact when she like takes no, her, her she, I, well let's just name natasha kinsky but anyway klaus the, kinsky was her father i understand Kinsky's that father? and you know who really? her husband was anybody yes jeremy irons roman polanski there you are. Roman. Yes. It all comes back around. So the but uh, the fact that she takes her costume off and she's like the sexiest woman at that time and says, yes, I'm so absolutely. ugly. Yeah. 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 That was, that's a slap in your face. Yes. Like, right. Mm -hmm. But yes, I think Eric is correct that all this essentially wraps around to the idea, and this is true in both movies, that uh lack of uh forgiveness and the need for revenge causes horrible problems and when jodie foster to give the movie credit jodie foster's yes. story of the need for revenge, revenge against this is true uh matthew modine plays out in a way that like she's like fuck this nonsense fuck the stupid story and uh i really appreciate that i thought the movie was badly executed but i liked that it was trying to say that and it was, it was, it was trying to say revenge is bullshit revenge is bullshit and then garp does it very very well the same thing right. very very well yeah, yes. you have you have opportunities like, and this is the Treaty of Versailles element. You have opportunities in life to go through the hard work of forgiveness, and when you don't avail yourself of them, you will continue to pay the price of anger eating your soul. Yeah, it gets worse. Really? Yeah. It escalates. There okay, it uh, I do want to. I, I, like, I want to get like revenge every now. It's fun. Now. I love revenge yeah. movies. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's one revenge movie that ends with the revenge happening and then. The, what's the What's like, the one? Next of happened. kin. Next of kin. That's a movie about revenge. Remember yeah, there we go. Next of kin. Yes, or revenge with Kevin Costner. Revenge with Kevin Costner, or uh, yeah, it's terrible. Or, but most revenge movies end like Unforgiven, where you go, uh, we probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that right. seemed like a good idea at the time, but now that's so great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think next week we'll do a watch party. Yeah, we've got, got tons of suggestions, so we have to look them up on on our Prime to see what's available on Prime. Uh, just to keep everyone uh, apprised on this, watch parties are a challenge because we've often found films on Prime, and then by the time we actually air them, they're off Prime. Yes, it's happened more than once. <laughs> so these are subject to change according to Amazon's whims. So we can do that, or what we can do, you know, what we could could do is we could come up with like three different suggestions and, and see then which have one lives. People, have <laughs> one, see which one lives. Yeah. And get then, on Discord and get on Discord vote. and have people vote on them. I love this. I love or choice is picked. We will make a gift, or we'll send a gift, or make a drawing for them. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. That's you guys want to do that? All yeah. right. So join our Discord because we'd love to have you there. Join our Discord. Uh, vote for what gets seen at watch parties. Man, if I weren't in Martini Giant, I would subscribe to Martini Giant. Yeah. 
but also subscribed on our Twitch. Um, I know it's it's a it's a uh, it's a financial obligation to do so. Or if you're on Prime, you can do it without financial obligation. You just are giving us your subscription. But uh, it does help support us as a podcast to pay our bills. Not, our bills aren't that much, but it does help our bills. Um, uh, it would be it's nice. the man. Chris gets Mandy Petties and he puts it on a Martini Giant like credit card. I know and that's what's the, killing the, us. The PayPal sixty dollars here, tip twenty. I don't know why you're tipping twenty, and then it just builds up, guys. Let's be honest. It's little things. It's little things. It's the little things. Mm-hmm. I tip twenty because of revenge. That's right. <laughs> Take that. Take that. <laughs> Take that. All right, this was great. I love this. I'm so glad you guys great wanted choices. to do this. That was fun. This, this this thing and Garp was great Beautiful. to revisit. Yep, and uh, and for the rare time when I truly hate watching a movie, this was a blessing. <laughs> it was good though, right? I mean, I thought Absolutely. in context in context of these two things, considering the fact that you know, like how to execute a film and how not to execute a film. Mm-hmm. Not that I really thought, like, because I hadn't seen it since I hadn't seen. Here's the thing: I hadn't seen Hotel New Hampshire since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I was like, I remember it was weird and stuff. And I had all these very strange memories. Mm-hmm. Sure. God. Right. Like, like yeah. the guy, like Natasha Kinski in a bear costume, yep. him making out with a girl without teeth. Yep. That was weird. Right. Like him having like a marathon sex session with his sister. That was yep. weird to watch. Right. Yep. Like, there's a lot of things that I were in this movie. You're like, that was weird. Strange. Like, you know, the, the, the mother and son dying instantly in a plane crash seemed more impactful as a kid when i saw that like right. oh shit you know but then it wasn't you know um so there was things that were in this movie that were were strange uh the rape scene was very strange i remember yes. that one as well yes uh yeah. so yeah, it wasn't i remember long enough it was only like a minute it couldn't have been great if they sh- i'm just kidding oh <laughs> brother i tell you <laughs> uh, anyway so so the thing is like That's all of those things i remember favorite experiences in film. I, I remember those things and then i watched no. it again today Communion. i was like or yeah. Like this is this is communion and revenge. This is communion right. revenge. Yeah, oh, it was hard to watch. That oh no, no you are not even close to being redeemed for communion <laughs> with this film. Not even close. Yeah, but I do think yeah. it was an important movie because it's literally like, oh, okay, like let's put that in context. It's like, okay, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, obviously the 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 memory I had when I first saw this was not there, which is fine. This happens a lot, right? And that's kind of the thing I like to revisit. But it was interesting to see this in context with garp right oh yeah without that yeah i agree um and, and it's like okay here's like just like okay when you do a movie do it more like garp don't do it like this yeah. right or yeah. better yet the other example is like there's so much good stuff in hotel new hampshire what would it be like if it was done well right you right. know 100 agreed 100 so agreed. i don't like remakes as you guys know but maybe someone should think about that i think that (laughs) remakes are uh, uh, like i'm neutral on remakes but good remaking a philosophy would be to take movies like hotel new hampshire just shitty movies that should have been good and remake those like yeah like uh, here's this half-assed lee marvin movie remake that (laughs) like right do that make it make something that bad into something that is good yeah that's healthy Hmm. now if you guys have any uh other ideas obviously for uh uh, uh, podcasts or watch parties. Actually, honestly, you can go on Twitter for us. That's fine. Uh, we're at uh, twitter.com slash martini giant or at martini giant at on martini Twitter. Giant. That's actually probably the best place, but really join our Discord because that's a great way for the conversation to happen. So we'd love to see you there. And there's a link. 
you know what, uh, Dan, I will teach you how to make a banner at the top of oh, our yeah. Twitter I love that plan. so Let's that the that. Twitter itself has a banner that people know to go to our Discord. I love that plan. That's great. So that yeah, just Make go to sure. our Twitter first, and then that's how you join our Discord. Or just look up Martini Giant. No, 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 no. It's not a. No, it's don't worry about it. Don't need. We don't need graphics for it. Uh, anyway, I'll get. I'll, I'll talk to you guys about the logistics of all that later. But. Let's just go over our bookkeeping right now in front yeah, of so Let's do that. Oh, taxes. We're not going to taxes still. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that tomorrow, Eric. Um, all right, uh, and that's it. Are you guys ready to do sign off? Let's do it. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I, I love hanging out with you guys. Honestly, this really makes my, my Saturdays. And after a long week, I just got to say, it's, I, I hate, I'm not going to get all teared up, but it's, it's, it's good seeing you guys. It's good every week. Too, seeing you. <laughs> much appreciated. It's a lot of fun. I love being here. You guys are amazing. Yeah. And everybody in chat also, very, very, very much thanks for making this a great yeah. time. And this time. was great because I kept, you know, I, when I see these movies and I'm watching them and I'm thinking of you guys and I, because I, I know how much we love to talk about this stuff. And it's, I just watching the movie itself becomes more of a joy. And it's like, I can't wait to talk about this with Eric and Dan. So, um, I, I'm I'm very excited. By the way, I think this is the first time in our podcast history where Dan said he didn't like the movie because it's pretty rare. much anything. I love rare. it. It's very rare. Right? <laughs> very you, rare. In chat, you guys were there for a special moment. <laughs> yeah, I hated. And something. I was I was happy that happened to us because I was because like, when I suggested this movie, I hadn't seen it since I kid. It's like I think this is weird enough that Dan's gonna really like it. And I watched it. I was like, this is not well done. <laughs> like exactly. I really I, because you know at the age of ten or whatever. Oh, I, sure. I mean, I saw this movie very young. I didn't know what good directing was or whatever. Oh, yeah. You do what Natasha so, Kinski in a bear outfit was. That's what you do. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just some guy making out with a girl with no teeth, and you yeah. know, as I'm starting to become sexually interested in things yeah, like that, exactly. would be weird. That'd be weird. <laughs> Ooh, that's strange. Yes, no, yeah. that's the, the like. I, I I have to say that uh, that uh, I I may I like I there's moments in this movie that I was like I believe I saw parts of this on HBO. But mm, but up, it, yeah. but I but I turned it off very quickly when like my mom came in the room, uh, right? And, uh, but it may be responsible for my love of like David Cronenberg films. Like it got me off on some weird kink, and now I own Crash on DVD. So that's how that right. is the path these things take. Yeah, it is. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. 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 Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.